Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Random Channel Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel, formerly known as Jose. And I'm still Jason, not changing any name. And this episode of the uh, podcast is called Download and Go, as we'll be discussing a whole bunch of DLC stuff. It's it's DLC galore. So later in the show, we have full impressions of Mario Kart 8 and its new 200cc uh, mode, as well as DLC Pack 2. We also have tried out both of the new Street Pass games and have in-depth impressions of that. Which is, uh, for those that don't know, Ultimate Angler and Battleground Z. And of course we have a whole lot of news we're going to talk about this episode. Some DLC related, some not. We have new Xenoblade Chronicles, X details, new Splatoon info, the backstory of why Sakurai did a 180 on Smash Bros. DLC and what he thinks of DLC as a whole. He's playing a lot of FFX. Snowboarding? Isn't, isn't there one of them with a 180 in the title? Oh, yes, yes. No, there's not, oh. but yes. There's a, definitely a snowboarding game. That 1080. Has, snowboarding 1080. is by Nintendo. You should know. This is a Nintendo podcast, Angel. Oh, I never played it. <laughs> but uh, it's actually a really good game. The N64 one is better than the GameCube one. But well, if, if he did a 1080, he'd still be flipping the other direction. So, it's fine. Would he? Yeah, oh, yes, he would. Yeah, You're right. You're right. I, I had to do the math. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so we have his... You add a zero. It doesn't change. Yeah, anything. exactly. So we... Um, well, it's... 1080, not 180. Oh, you're right. So who's wrong on the math now? You're still right, but I yeah. Think, I wait, are you? Is 1080 divisible by 360? Well, I don't think it matters as long as. No, because if he's a 360, he's back where he started. Yeah, that's like because you basically. Oh, maybe. See what I'm saying? Like if it's divisible by 360. Wait, so it, it is divisible it is, by 360. Because, it's yeah. three circles. Oh, we're so dumb. Welcome oh to the We Can't Do Math <laughs> podcast. Today we discussed 1080's divisibility. Kelly, we didn't realize that. that was 1080 sad. is you just. You know what the worst part is? Turning, you know. know what the worst part is? You teach elementary school kids. You should know. I teach. <laughs> you don't teach math, but like you should know basic math. My excuse is I don't do math anymore because I don't need to. Because who needs well, I don't math? Really teach math anymore. You did briefly. Sort of. Briefly. Yeah, but you like, taught long division. In fact, elementary. This school. didn't even need long division. This was short division. This is like, simple division. This is like three years ago. Now I'm just teaching basic first through fifth grade. They don't even. Well, you run a computer lab now, but yeah, even less. Well, more reason. Yeah, and the kids must be so confused that you have two names now. Um, maybe. But anyway, so um, so we are talking about Sakurai's DLC. We're also talking about the weird, speaking of Japanese developers, the drama between uh, Kojima and Konami and what that can mean for Nintendo fans. And then we also have uh, some other news, including Ukulele, the successor, spiritual successor of Banjo-Kazooie. So it's a lot of different news, a lot of stuff to cover. If you haven't listened to podcasts before, we do have all of those, art- all of the, all of those stories or all of those subjects in a nice timestamp list on the blog post that corresponds to this episode 96. So if you go ramtown.com, you can jump to what you want to hear about. But let's just jump into it right away, I guess. Yeah? I guess. So now that everyone knows we suck at math, let's immediately move away from that. And uh, first, let's talk about probably the only bit of news that came from Nintendo itself these last couple weeks, or big news that came from Nintendo itself, which is Xenoblade Chronicles X. So Nintendo's been... I think they've been kind of quiet lately. I mean, they announced some stuff with Splatoon, which we'll get to, but in terms of, like, big, like, blowouts the closest we had to that was probably a video presentation not a nintendo direct a video presentation for xenoblade chronicles x so um i guess the difference is it's nine minutes long versus 30 or more 30 and it doesn't and it's spoken very dramatically that's the most dramatic nintendo video like everything was just very like this is xenoblade chronicles x you are going to the world of me. I don't know why I sound like William Shatner, but that's kind of what they sounded like. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, they talked a bit about... Um, There's kind of like a rapid-fire breakdown of all this stuff about the game. It's out in Japan now, and for those who have been following it in Japan, this might sound somewhat familiar. But for those who haven't been following it as much, it's nice for Nintendo to finally be like, all right, here's what you do, here's what it's about, here's how it works. So we're just going to kind of run down the list of what the game's about and 
obviously share impressions along the way or opinions along the way. So, quick Sounds synopsis. Like the capital what? idea. It, it, oh yes, much like New Los Angeles is the capital of this new world they're on, which is called Mira, and that in fact ties into the game's premise, which is that uh, Earth is screwed. We're all dead. We're in space trying to find a new home, very Battlestar Galactica style. One ship is left. It's called the White Whale, and it crash lands on this planet that they call Mira. And they form a new city there called New Los Angeles. And you are a member of a group called Blade, and it's your job to go and see if the rest of the world is the rest of this planet is safe, and to find these so-called uh, well, they're basically refugees. They're refugees that are scattered around the world called, and they're held in life holds, which are these little capsules that just fall wherever. So as Blade, you go do that, and you're also um, doing other things along the way. For example, as in comics? Oh, well, as in mind. comics? Oh no, 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 never mind. I was thinking about something else. Something similar where this ship crashes on Earth, and then there's like these capsules with criminals that these people have to go find because now they're scattered all over the place. But except this time, they're just people you have to go rescue. So it's basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the the thing is, you are part of Blade, and then you get to do like the main quest is to go and um, do missions for a government where you find these people and you explore new regions. There's five giant continents you can go to, each of which, of course, has a different theme of the environment. The most generic. Yeah, it's like of... Lava World and Neon Plant World, and, which is basically Avatar. Well, and it's jungle, Lava, Ice, Desert, yeah. and the generic starting and, and planes. New LA. Yeah, and New LA. Yeah. Which actually looks nothing like the rest of the game, which is kind of interesting, because it's very high-tech, and then the rest of the world is very low-tech. But um, Very no-tech. Very no-tech. But yeah, so you are going as Blade and doing this, and in addition to the main quest where you're scouting out new things, you also have side quests where you're finding monsters, you're getting resources, you're collecting objects. I haven't seen anyone use an actual objects. blade yet, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they, they might be like laser blades. Like a blade made out of a laser. Like a lightsaber, but not quite. But yeah, I haven't either. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the premise in a nutshell. But where things get interesting, where it actually makes kind of sense, is you're going and exploring and you're doing these various quests, but it actually uses the gamepad, I feel like, in a good way. Like, well, so many games either use the gamepad and make a whole game based around the gamepad, or they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're not a gamepad game, we'll just throw a horn on there and be Mario Kart, or well, Donkey Kong will not even turn on the screen. This one is basically taking what's on like a pause menu and just making it always accessible, which is actually kind of nice and handy. Well, it's kind of like Wind Waker. Yeah. But the problem with, well, I wouldn't say a problem, but most games that use the gamepad as a map, you, you most of the time you don't really need the map because the areas are pretty small and you're already... Kind of, right. you, you get so familiar with them that the map kind of becomes irrelevant. Like, oh, I know where this is. I know how to get to this. You yeah. don't really need it. Yeah. But this place is intentionally huge and, like, so many things to find and look up. Mm -hmm. So the map becomes, like, really like, integral to the whole... Yeah, and not just in the play. sense of what you're saying where it's, like, um, where it's, like, you need it because everything's just so huge. But they literally are making you have to use the map to get your next quest. Because how it works is, I, uh, I don't know if... You've seen what the map looks like, right? It's like, this, yeah. it's like the world. It's like you know, each continent. Yeah, and then there's HeroScape on top of it where it's just like hexagon grids everywhere. And what you do is you put down these probes on one of the hexagons, and it shoots... First of all, it also doubles as a fuel source. So um, you can get fuel that way. You can spend fuel to do things through these probes. Anyway, you drop the probe down, and then the immediate hexagons around it suddenly light up with different activities. So there may be a new... Uh, like a new resource mining quest on one of those hexagons or maybe a creature to battle in another and all the game everything is open to you from the start you can go anywhere you want but of course you don't have the skill or the abilities or whatever to progress very far but you're welcome to try and then by plopping down the probes and seeing what's on the hexagons that's when you get to actually do things in those regions or do things it's within those subsets how much of like control like i guess tech that they give you like the whole little camera that you go up yeah. behind survey stuff yeah even the the guiding system that takes you to your 
to your objective, and like how it's like a ball that you follow. Yeah, the nav ball. Yeah, the nav ball. As opposed to like an arrow or like a dotted line, like yeah. any other. It's really, they're really trying to make it that everything is tied together and everything makes sense in the game world. It's not like, oh yeah, here's the crazy taxi arrow pointing you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the nav ball. The cool thing about the nav ball is it will keep going at the same speed, and if you lose track of it, it's just like in real life. Well, you lost track of it. You just need to fire off a new one, which doesn't it doesn't cost you anything in the game, but it's kind of cool. Even little things like that, where it's like it's not gonna wait for you. It's an yeah. automated drone. Actually, the thing you're talking about, the camera, the um, what do they call it, the hopper cam, that's really cool because it shoots. For those who haven't seen the video, it shoots straight up and it shows you this gorgeous like draw distance at the con- at each continent. You can go anywhere and see anything pretty much at any point. So like you shoot up and it's like you shoot up, you shoot up your heroin, and then it's like you have this huge draw distance everything looks really good like it's i didn't notice on, i, I really didn't notice cool. on pop-ups there's um, a little pop-up the running animations are awful <laughs> like i don't know what it is about the running it's like this gorgeous world and these weird little like peg leggy things moving back and forth it looks like they're on like a run it's kind of like a trend of like mmos like, yeah everything looks really cool but then like characters always move weird especially when they have when it comes to fighting because they're not exactly doing like real-time fighting well i mean they are but it's also kind of automated so it's yeah you know the fighting's interesting to me because like, weird. It, you're i think you're spot on with the mmo when i was watching it or even when we played uh, chronicles 3d at wondercon which granted i haven't played the whole game so i don't know but from why i played at wondercon it's very like it's as if it's an mmo without the clicking yeah that's basically like it's it basically is. like you're picking arts they can do you're picking different things that's, they can do yeah. they showed it a lot after the video presentation they did a treehouse live special where they did an hour of gameplay and they showed how the combat system works in pretty in-depth. And I just kind of skipped around the video. I didn't watch the whole thing. But it's very... At first glance, it's definitely very MMO. Yeah. It's, it has a lot of, like... You kind of do your own... You know, you kind of let them do their own thing. But you're dictating what the thing they're going to do is out of a couple choices. So it's, it's different. It's interesting. I don't know if Nintendo building it as an action RPG makes sense. Because it's definitely not an action RPG. Like, you are doing... A, there are actions being performed. But you're not really... Contr- pressing the button to do it yeah but well, it's an mmo without oh no MMO. yeah yeah because you attack at, like at a fixed rate but then right. you change what your next attack could be it's not like tell the symphonia where like every button you press is an actual attack kind yeah of thing. yeah and it, i will say the one cool thing about the game that they really showed in the trailer is the monster variety is pretty pretty interesting there's like you know little guys huge ones and those two impede your progress so again you can go explore anywhere but just like in the real world there will be things that you aren't prepared for and you have to you know, scale, step back from it. No invisible walls. But yeah, there's no invisible walls. There's no, um, maybe just really tall mountains, just really tall mountains and really big monsters. But there is, what well, I was gonna say about the monsters is I like how they're not, this is true of the other Xenoblades as well, but I like how they're not, um, random. You see them. They say in the video, they're like, Oh yeah, they may charge you. So you may still be like attacked by surprise a little, but you could see them coming at you from over the hill or whatever. Like you will see them. It's not, it's like the real world. It's not like you're, it's like you're walking in a Sahara, Saharan plane and then all of a sudden like, it fades to black and you're fighting a lion. In real life, you know there's going to be a lion coming at you and you can try and dodge or... Yeah, I, I feel the random encounters where there's literally nothing. Like, those kind of annoy me a lot. But mm-hmm. at least I can... Tails does a good happy medium of it. Yeah, like they'll, they'll show like a blob or like a monster like just in the wild and then when yeah. you run into it, you'll still fight that monster but there may be like four others that... Are just kind of kicking it, but right. it's an RPG. <laughs> They're just kicking. They're just sitting yeah. there, like drinking like mimosas, and just <laughs> waiting patiently. Yeah. But but yeah, no. I mean, the game does look good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's it it's different. It's interesting. It's um. Oh, the, the, oh, you know what we didn't talk about yet? The mechs. The Kells, formerly known as Dolls. Um, yeah. Definitely the, made me miss um Fall of Cybertron. Yeah, they look very similar in control. But yeah, it's um in Japan they're called dolls, like you said. Here in the U.S. they're now called uh, Skells. 
or that's supposed to mean. Skells has an S. Yeah, S K E L L for those who need the spelling because you're taking notes. And um, yeah, it's these actually are a better example of the draw distance than what I was saying about the hopper cam because these like you can take off anywhere you can see you can fly to, or you can turn to a tank and drive around, and they're basically a pona on wheels at that point. But like. They showed one where you're, like, flying up to, like, the top of a volcano, and then, oh, surprise, there's a hidden dungeon thing in the volcano. So it's just kind of cool that, like, anything you can see, you can go to, which is kind of the idea that Nintendo had with the new Zelda for Wii U that's coming out, ultimately. Like, anything in, in yeah. sight... Confirmed. Link game. will have a mech of some sort. Yeah, basically. Epona will be a mech. Epona will be a robot horse. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, it is kind of cool. And they also have their own battle system, and you can customize them. Those are other things Nintendo showed in the Treehouse Live presentation, and it just... It looks cool, and I, I think, like, I again, I don't know about the running animations, but I think in terms of draw distance, in terms of ignoring the pop-up you brought up, this is probably one of the better-looking Wii U games, just in terms of the sheer scale of everything. And, you know, there is attention to detail still. Oh, the human faces aren't that great, but, like, the blades of grass, like, individualized, like, it's a nice-looking Sounds like you're going to get a day one. That's the thing. I don't know. I like the look of it. I like the exploration aspects. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of JRPGs. Except Pokemon, which is weird. And I really like Tails, though, so I feel like I might like this. But, like, I was going to get Chronicles 3D on the new 3DS, but then Pokemon I is pretty didn't. different, though. Oh, I know, but I mean, an RPG from Japan oh. I only wanted Pokemon. But, uh, yeah, in terms of traditional JRPGs, I've never been huge on them. I was going to get Chronicles 3D, but it's such a time con- commitment that I'm just waiting to actually have the time. Yeah, that's kind of... But this uh, one's going to be even worse. <laughs> that's kind of like our reaction. Um, Obviously, and I were watching it together, and as yeah. the video presentation went on, we're like, whoa, like, this is just getting even more in-depth. Yeah, yeah. Like, almost to the point where it's like, yeah, like, there's no way we could balance Smash Brothers, Monster Hunter, and, like, whatever other games. Like, I mean, he's getting a PS4 soon, where, and he's also getting, like, Mortal Kombat X, Batman, and, um... Oh, and he still hasn't even played Little Big Planet 3, which he has already, so... Right. There's, like, no way he could play... Right, I, might, I don't even have... I mean, I'm never going to be in any of my games, as anyone knows, but even then I can't figure out where I'm going to squeeze the time to start this, because even starting it... Like, if I play my percentage of a game I play, which is, you know, like, maybe halfway, two-thirds... I still won't, like, time-wise, you know, that's, I mean, like, still 57 hours of gameplay. If they didn't, I don't know, like... It's weird that we're complaining there's too much content. It's really weird. Well, I mean, that, that, that's a legitimate issue. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it, um, people have to... I mean, if you're into that genre, you kind of expect around 40 to 50 hours of, like, story. Yeah, yeah. But... But then I there's mean, all the side quests because yeah, you I mean, get hired by companies. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, a ton of content isn't always a good thing. Like, God of War 1, I know it's not Nintendo, like, Nintendo but, game, but it's applicable. No, yeah, 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 because that game, the first one only took me, like, five or six hours to beat, like, which is really, really short, and I thought I, I wasn't, like, speeding through it either. Right. But it ended at just the right time. Like, it was starting, like, it wasn't starting to feel repetitive, but I feel like if it kind of dragged on, it would have been like, oh, this is still more. Yeah. So, and as opposed to, like, a game that just drags on. Right, right. Wait, I don't even know if this is going to necessarily drag on. They might have enough to keep it going, oh. momentum-wise. I just don't know who can sink that much time into it. But, you know, it, it's you know, it's one of those things that I'd rather they make this really long game for the audience that wants such a long game than try and cater to me. Well, I mean, hopefully, like, 20 hours of the game isn't just like, oh, pick this flower for this villager. Oh, I don't think it's going to be that. Kill that Well, because the, the thing is, you can either play just the I government. I citizen, not villager. You can play the the, yeah, come on. This is New Los Angeles. It's the future. They're not in villages. What crazy? But no, it's. But it'll have bad public transit. Pre- presumably, it'll have bad public transit. It'll have a subway that goes just about to your house, but not quite there. So you still have to drive. So you can't go out and drink because you still have to drive. Yeah, that that's my struggle here in LA. But um, 
Oh, that's not hard to say. Yeah, I feel like if you follow the government path, like due to all the government jobs, it's probably more of a compact experience. But then once you start doing the side quests for the companies and the townsfolk and the, or the citizens and the whatever, then it starts. It's probably like many JRPGs, a bit like forge your own path. You can sink as much time into it as you want. But but it, what's weird is like what we talked about, there's a lot of there's a lot of like what will it be but also in terms of the like raw facts of what they told us about the game they told us basically nothing and i have to wonder why did they even show anything now to begin with what was the like it's not coming out till the end it's not coming out it's still 2015 in america but uh it's going to be there in november what, game? No, i don't know or maybe october i have no idea now that we don't have Zelda. Star Fox might be their November game i don't i don't know it's interesting though cuz in terms of building it like they're pushing it so hard you mentioned zelda like that's first 20 seconds of the direct or sorry video presentation they automatically say oh yeah the exploration is it's on par with zelda or a metroid or like they're like hey nintendo fans you like these games you like this one too they're pushing it really hard which i mean i guess that's good they're trying to make a new franchise but I'm just like why now I, I they're clearly putting their ducks in a row i mean chronicles 3d just came out on the new 3ds uh we just got shulk and smash bros so they're building this up to be a big thing but i'm wondering if maybe they did it in april because at first, I was like, when they first announced it, I was like, oh, it's coming out soon. And then they only showed a Japanese build, and they didn't say a date. And I'm like, are they just getting it out of the way of E3? Like, are they worried the Splatoon hype at the end of this month will bear, bury it if they do a direct then? And then if, uh, you know, E3 rolls around, it's going to get buried by all the new news, and Mario Maker, and Star Fox, and whatever else they, and Animal Crossing, and who knows what else? Like, are they worried because it's new, people won't notice it as much? They're just like, well, let's tell them in advance, so they have it on their radar prior it just seems like a weird strategy to be doing their usual like oh we're six to eight weeks from release we're gonna start the video bombardments but do it like seven months prior i, I don't know i'm just thinking out loud but it, it, it's interesting i mean it's it's certainly not gonna be coming out here before the fall at this rate but it's just i'm it's just curious as why they would do that which which actually kind of brings me up brings up another point that i want to make which is to the internet dear internet dear internet hi internet how are you uh, just because the game's footage is in Japanese, just because Nintendo's showing a game in Japanese, does not mean that the game isn't coming till 2016. I saw so many people saying, oh, well, the video presentation in Japanese, this is getting delayed, this isn't happening, I'd be shocked if it comes out this year, there's no way it's coming out this year. Guys, games aren't translated necessarily in the order in which we play through them, or, wait, that, I feel like I'm missing the tail end of that sentence. Games aren't translated in the same like the same order that we play through them there we go period like a movie's film like a movie's film so just because they're showing early parts of the game that don't have the english translation doesn't mean the game's delayed or is not coming out anytime soon i mean granted it doesn't mean the game will be out it does confirm the game won't be out in two months but who's to say nintendo said we don't want to build a new english build of the game for a 10 minute video or for an hour long treehouse live like it can come out in the fall and they can be very deeply invested in the translation and have like half of it done but maybe they're doing the you know the cinematics and the voice acting scripts maybe they'll then double back and do the menus which are much easier to translate like i i don't know but i would not assume under any case that it means it's already being delayed so calm down internet because a lot of people were saying that and i was just saying like that it's meaningless it's totally meaningless the fact of the matter is the game had a finished product that they can easily plop down and play for an hour on treehouse live in Japan, you know, from Japan, so they used it. Doesn't mean English is behind schedule or anything, it just means they used the one that they could guarantee would work for what they needed, which is a quick marketing video. So, I don't know, the internet freaked out, and I just thought that was a little weird, so I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm.
But, uh, oh, one, one small concern about the game. I don't actually concern might be harsh. It has DLC. Day one DLC. Day one DLC. Day one DLC. I feel like Nintendo fans have been spared of day one DLC for the most part. Even Zelda, the Hyrule Warriors waited, like, two weeks. But, um, I mean, Mario, Mario Golf World Tour, I guess, had day one, but it, it, uh, it was a lot of content for a lot less money. But what they're doing in Japan for Xenoblade Chronicles X is, um, it came out just this past week in Japan, and they offered a couple different side quests and characters in different configurations. So if you bought them all together, it cost $17. But what you could do is individually buy different characters for 4 bucks a pop. And those characters come with their own side quests and their own skills that you can use. Which again are those mechs you fly around and can customize. Which actually, that in the Treehouse Live looked really cool, the skill customization. But uh, anyway, so you can do that for 4 bucks a pop roughly. Or if you prefer to simply play side quests, you can buy additional ones. For two fifty each, approximately. These are in yen, and they translate. So who knows what'll be here? But um, I'm not. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. I'm not a big fan of Day One DLC, but I almost am willing to give this one a pass because it's like, well, the game is like a bajillion hours long. So if you really want to punk, like punk, this really like, like do, you, do you want even more? Games? Yeah, it's like if you say, you know what, this isn't enough content on Day One. I want more. It's not like Nintendo shortchanging you with the game whatsoever. It's so much to begin with. Like yeah. it's almost excusable, almost. Oh, they could have definitely waited though I doubt anyone's going to play through the game in like a few weeks and then yeah I mean they could definitely just have it come out a little later until what they but I think feel. what they're hoping is people will do the characters and the skills the four dollar deals because then it'll be like oh dude that that skill looks awesome because there's online there are online questing options so if you could be like oh dude I, I want to use this skill with my friends online you will go pay the money for it that might be the appeal to them but yeah I don't know it's uh It'll be interesting to see if they mimic the day one stuff here, if they stagger it or what. But, uh, but yeah, that that excuse me, that's pretty much Xenoblade. It's uh, it's weird how there's like so little information, but managed to talk about it this long. But yeah, I imagine we'll see more frequent updates for a while now. But uh, yeah, my take at this point is wait and see. I don't know if I'm gonna get it again because of the time commitment, but I'm certainly interested. Nintendo's making this, giving this a very, very, very big push. It's definitely a new important franchise for them. So I'm really curious to see just. How far they push in, how the game turns out. In Japan, reviews weren't quite as high as I expected. They were like 8s and 9s from Mitsu, not 9s and 10s, like the first one. So, it's still right. good, but like the first one For the type of game that it is, I mean, it's not... It still seems kind of like a niche game. So. Oh, it is, for sure. Well, so 8s and 9s seems like... Yeah, no, I'm just saying, but com- even compared to its predecessor, the Wii one, the original Xenoblade Chronicles, got like 9s and 10s. Really? So it's a small dip. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, if, you know, it's huh. too early to say, so... I mean, it sounds like Elvis is, has no interest, but what about you? No, he, he definitely, no, he definitely has interest. Let me afraid, no interest in getting it anytime soon because of the time issue. Yeah, same thing. Same thing, yeah. I guess it's, it's definitely... I hope, I hope for Nintendo's sake too many people don't fall into that trap because uh, it's not going to sell. I guess they could create another drought. Yeah, there was some time to twenty sixteen. Beat over the game. Twenty sixteen, just release nothing. I mean, <laughs> Capcom keeps releasing like awesome DLC for Monster Hunter, and with more quests and all this other stuff yeah. free. So it's like there's more stuff to play. That's true. Speaking of Monster Hunter quests, uh, the May DLC comes out, or is about to come out, right? May first, it came out. Oh, already. so it came out already. Yeah, because that that's with Sam. That's with the Samus skin and everything. Yeah, you right? get the Samus skin. Well, you don't get any of that stuff. You have to complete quests to get that stuff. Oh, you have access to. Yeah, you have to forge it and whatnot. Which is pretty cool. I like that. Like you have to like make it. So it's like, oh, if you see someone with it, it's like, oh, they actually beat that quest because right. some of them aren't that easy. Right. And you get like a Mega Man skin for your cat. Well, Mega Man armor because uh-huh. it's all armor, it's not just skin. Like they actually serve a purpose. 
And then um, you get like a rush baton, and then you also get some Street Fighter costumes like a Chun Li and a Blanca. And then they just tease at the end that you, there will be a Double May Cry Cat costume, which is pretty cool. How, that one hasn't been announced in Japan yet, has it? Because we already we already knew about Metroid and yeah, we already knew about all of them. They haven't even we also was the Devil May Cry one shown in Japan though? Is that I don't to, remember well, seeing that anywhere. I don't know. I just saw the American video. Oh, so cool. And um, it's weird though because there was there's definitely a Zero Suit Samus jumpsuit. Yeah. But that one wasn't shown or anything. Saving so, it for June. Yeah, so it's probably for films. Yeah, but but yeah, that's cool. I mean, maybe Nintendo will do some, as if they need to. Maybe Nintendo will do something similar for Xenoblade. I'm still holding out for something Phoenix Wright related. I think it'd be hilarious because it would be. That would be pretty. I great. mean, they already have like costume. I mean, armor for your character that look mm-hmm. like. I don't know, like something a a Japanese high schooler like anime character would be wearing like when they're just on their day off, just like a jacket and oh, like, and jeans the, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. And the skirt. Yeah, Wait, like, guy or girl? Guy. It's okay, like, no it, it, it like jeans and, and a jacket. It right. looks like a biker or something from a biker gang or something. Huh. But, I mean, if they're doing stuff like that, that's like way out there. Yeah. And they're kind then of they like, better throw in Zero Suit at some point. Yeah. Or pretty much other franchise. Or Phoenix current. Wright, as you were saying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, so, switching gears, transition, check this out. So Xenoblade... <clears throat> Xenoblade is just one of many or two new franchises that Nintendo's really trying to push in 2015. The other, of course, is making the splash. Being Splatoon, yes. So, um, yeah, I would say twi- honestly, 2015 is kind of like this year where Nintendo's like, all right, we got all our real stuff on the Wii U. Let's do some new stuff. Let's try some new things. So, um, we have Splatoon coming out end of this month already. It snuck up kind of fast, and uh, as we mentioned, it's been kind of fast. <laughs> I mean. I guess time doesn't fly for you. Anyway, um, so yeah, Splatoon's coming up. No, so and be more games. They're gonna be what? This is like another time current. This is another time scene. This game. one is in a totally different way. That's what's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just a, it's just a multiplayer game. It's yeah. Kind of those kind well, of it has that, single player, but yeah. That you yeah. can play. You pretty much just play indefinitely. Yeah, it really, is, especially because they're planning. We'll talk about it in a minute, but they're planning kind of like what you're saying with Monster Hunter. With Splatoon, they're planning to roll out frequent updates with new stuff. So, which we'll get to. But um, I was gonna say this is only a little taste of what's coming. It's gonna be a Splatoon direct on May 7th, and obviously at the time of this recording, we don't know what that includes, but for all you time travelers who are listening after May 7th, um, you probably already know more stuff than we do, but yeah, here's what we know as of now. It's good news and bad news. It's really kind of just about online support, and it's it's based basically on interviews and hands-on impressions that have gone around, but the, uh, the information of interest is how customization will work in the game. So it's already a well-known thing that you can customize your characters, you can uh, customize your weapon loadout, you can have that different clothing. Attributes. Yeah, character, the clothing and items affect attributes, weapons affect weapons. <laughs> I have very deep insight from the Random Town podcast. And um, as anyone, you know, as anyone who follows the game, no, follows the game knows, the customization is really the, the bread and butter of the multiplayer. Like, I mean, yeah, you're shooting people, but you're, you need to customize to be able to get the edge or not get the edge. And what we now learned courtesy of IGN, is customization is actually split. So if you're playing the single-player mode, you're using a currency called Power Eggs, and you're buying customization objects and costumes and, we- and weapons just for single-player mode. And if you're in multiplayer mode, you're earning experience and earning in-game money that way through multiplayer and buying customization items for just multiplayer. There is no crosstalk between the two. They are like siloed off independent things, which is... Odd. It's not a horrible idea. Because um, cause if you get someone that is only going to play a ton of multiplayer, yeah. by the time, like, if they did cross over, like, let's say they accumulate, like, 
so many coins that they don't know what to do with. Yeah. They could potentially buy all this crazy armor or weapons and then just breeze through the single player. Yeah, but see, it's fine that you mention it that way because Nintendo's thinking the opposite of that almost. Like, that they won't have anything? No, no, no. Like, that they're going to go play single player and they want to transfer everything over to multiplayer but have no experience finding other people. Because uh, in the in the IGM piece, they interviewed the producer of the game and he was saying that well, that's gonna the idea of single player is specifically to let you learn the ins and outs of the game so you're better at multiplayer. So somewhat their concern, I think, is, well, if someone just is really good at, you know, if someone plays single player, gets the hang of the game, and then just keeps looping through single player and keeps getting more coins that way or whatever, then they can beef up their multiplayer and have an edge over someone who's only playing multiplayer, but we want everyone to be starting on level play. If you remember, they're not doing ranked battles until people, enough people hit level 10. Yeah. So they definitely are trying to keep it balanced. So I guess this is one way to prevent that. They, this this was actually funny. in the interview the guy's like yeah well you know what does transfer to single to multiplayer skill as if there's like a selling point it's like uh, all right but but yeah so I mean your point's true too like you don't want one beefing up the other but it's not like you're saying multi to single and Nintendo's like well but but the single to multi is a big deal too so so that's kind of where that's at and it's not the only thing that's kind of weird with customization um the other th- well actually this one isn't weird this one makes sense but if you want to customize you better be connected online to do it. Nintendo is insisting that any customization done for multiplayer, you are you have an internet connection and you are using it. And then from there, what they're going to do is, and the reason they're doing this is they're going to roll out additional stuff after day one. There'll be new gear, new weapons, new items, new all sorts of things. And it's going to be a constant, steady stream of stuff, much like Monster Hunter does. And that's why they need you to be connected at all times, customized. So you, even if you play offline, which again, I don't know what a multiplayer can do offline. There is no online multiplayer. I mean, offline multiplayer, but even if you try and, like, I want to put my character offline while my internet's down, tough. You're going to have to wait till it's back online. Which isn't a horrible thing. It's just kind of an interesting little intricacy of the game. Um, and it, it's actually, um, now I think about it, it kind of mirrors how online as a whole works in terms of how they roll out gear and everything. Because, like I said, ranked battles, those are going to be rolled out after launch and I imagine it could release other modes at a regular basis after launch so the whole the game's basically a living breathing ecosystem I guess it's not like they're almost treating it like an app like an app store app or app store game where it's like here's what we're releasing day one and we're going to continue supporting it day 10 day 20 day 30 day 40 day 50 etc so it's it's it's, it's kind of cool seeing Nintendo make like a living breathing thing and and what's interesting is separately an interview with Games Radar yes yeah, living breathing thing it's breathing it's alive is a creature. But uh, separately, that same producer, who I now uh, have his name, I didn't have before, but his name is uh, Nogami, and he was telling GamesRadar that this is just the first step, that's the quote, of their plans for Splatoon, and they want to keep building it and building it and building it until it becomes a franchise, which then GamesRadar interpreted as meaning there's going to be DLC. Paid DLC? Free DLC? Hard to say. There's definitely some sort of free DLC with new gear and stuff. Paid DLC, they didn't quite say that, but... Seems likely. Fits with our theme of a DLC episode. But, uh, I, I don't know, what would your take... How would, how would good DLC work for Splatoon? I feel like they should not do microtransactions. Don't sell individual weapons. Would it be like Mario Kart style, where it's just... The only thing they could really do, like... I mean, the thing I would probably like the best is just more maps. Mm. I mean, weapons would be cool, but the only thing I could think, like, from a business point of view, would be to just sell different weapons. Unless they do, they and could do a Mario Kart. Like, 
like, oh, it's summertime. Here's like a summer, <laughs> a summer line of clothes or a winter line right. of clothes. Or that'd be fun. That might, see, that almost sounds like something that'd be great if it was free. Oh, Zelda's coming out. Oh, here's like a Zelda line of armor. They should do that for free as a way to promote other games. I feel like, but I think if they were to do DLC, yeah, maps would have to be key. And I think they'd have to do almost like Mario Kart 8 style where they bundle things. Like if they said, okay, yeah, we're making new clothes, but you have to pay for them, but then they bundle it with, say, a new character look and, like, look of the actual character and a map or two and say, we're going to, you know, here's DLC pack one, we're going to charge six bucks for it, it's two new maps, three new costumes, one new character design, exactly like Mario Kart 8. That, I think that could work and wouldn't be too crazy. But they better not take the Smash Bros. Me costume route. If they start going like, hey, do you want the, the double barrel water gun? Well, 50 cents. That would suck. Cool if they created like weapons modeled after some characters and you could just like amiibos, amiibo them to your game. That would be kind of cool. I'm um, thinking like, what can they even do? I don't know, like you scan Mario and you get like a like a green pipe-shaped gun that shoots, yeah. well, they all shoot ink, but... Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think franchise crossovers are a shoe-in, really. And I would not be surprised if we see, like, a third DLC pack for Mario Kart, even, that eventually has Splatoon stuff in it, too, just to capture that audience. Have an inkling. Yeah, or I can... That'd be really cart. sad if we never get Captain Falcon as an actual racer. Oh, we're not going to. Not that, <laughs> They're just teasing sad. us at this point, yeah. But, um... But either, I guess regardless of how they do the DLC, it's really cool that Nintendo's supporting the game this long. Not just because they want to build up the franchise, but this is how you ensure a good online player base. Like we were saying last episode, we've said in multiple episodes, this game is so contingent, the success of this game is so contingent on how many people are playing it because it's so heavily focused on online that people don't care about the game and if people aren't playing the game, then that's it. The game's never going to be a success. This ensures that or at least be a small user base that's constantly playing. Because if you're giving regular updates, if you're providing free DLC or even paid DLC, people will come back to it. Mario Kart has shown that, and then that helps keep the um, you know keep the inter- the online interactions interesting and keep you playing readily without having to wait too long in the lobby. And that just makes a better experience, and that brings more people into the fold. So it's kind of like if they can do that, they're guaranteed to at least have somewhat of a success with Splatoon. But if they did not do this, if they're just like one and done with the release. Pretty safe to say that there'd be no online community pretty fast. Assu- assuming the game is an instant hit, which is, who knows. But so it's kind of cool what they're doing that. It caters well to online players. Of course, one thing that may also alienate those very same players is that Splatoon doesn't have any sort of custom matches. Which, if you think about it, makes sense, but also doesn't make sense. Because, like, okay, so Mario Kart 8 has custom matches online. Smash Bros. has custom matches online. You know, you can do things like tweak... Uh, Tweak rules, tweak items, tweak number of races, you know, all sorts of stuff. But Splatoon is just like, well, this it is what it is, which I, which actually kind of makes sense since if you think about it, the only thing you'd really be tweaking is the time limit. Everything else mm-hmm. is like, well, I, I want King of the Hill, but I only want King of the Hill if it's like 60% of the ink, not 50% of the ink. Like, it doesn't... There, I guess there isn't really room to do custom matches. Like yeah, the headline it, of no custom matches sounds way worse than the reality when you realize what it entails. I mean, it Call of Duty doesn't necessarily have custom matches. It's just everyone votes for a map, and that's pretty much the yeah, of it. Yeah, that's I mean, true. They pick a certain time for a reason. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I guess the other thing about the custom matches not being in there. I mean, I know because like when they first said this, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that sucks." But I guess the other advantage is, let's say they do have a small player base. Let's say the game isn't a huge hit. You want to fragment that player base even more by having all these people set up custom matches that only have, like, like oh, I don't want to play one that's five minutes. I want to play one that's seven minutes. But then, like, 
Yeah, it does ensure that you do get more people playing. Yeah, it does together. definitely. And also, um, the thing about custom matches is, let's say you're trying to play with friends only, like because all these other ones, Smash, Mario Kart, it's friends only custom. Playing random people, it's set rules. So let's say you do friends only custom. You need to have seven other friends online because everything in Splatoon is four on four. So I guess the more you think about it, the more sense it makes that they're not doing it. But just seeing headlines of like no custom matches in Splatoon is not necessarily great PR for the game. But yeah. but yeah, what is good PR though is that Nintendo's really, really, really pushing this game hard. Like literally in a PR perspective, they're doing a ton of marketing. They're ma- they're trying to make this the next big thing. I don't know how close you've been following it, um, but they are doing two major things that they announced in the last couple of weeks for Splatoon. First up is they're actually doing a Wii U hardware bundle with it, which is unexpected, I'd say. It's um, it's going to be available across all stores in Europe, Best Buy here in the U.S. It'll be exclusive to Best Buy, and it will come with a copy of Splatoon, a 32-gig black Wii U, and a free digital copy of Nintendo Land for the standard $300 price, $299. So you actually are getting more, or well, most Wii U's, I think, come with two games now, but because yeah. it's usually Mario and Mario, but, or Mario and the New Super Mario Bros. U plus Luigi. Or Mario Kart by itself, I guess. But this one you get Nintendo Land and Splatoon. So it's not a bad deal. And it seems like it's... I don't know, whenever Nintendo does a bundle, it always seems like that game is like supposed to be a system seller, you know? Like, it's always like, oh, Call of Duty Xbox bundle, or the Mario Kart Wii U bundle, or whatever. So it's interesting. It's quite the vote of confidence that Nintendo's like, hey, we're doing a Splatoon bundle. And clearly it's not 100%, like, not everyone's on board, because only Best Buy selling it. I feel like the other retailers are like, I don't know... We're going to put extra shelf space for this? I, I don't know. But it kind of works both ways for Nintendo, because one, it, it, well, one, it shows their intent that it's going to be a very important franchise to them, as if we didn't already know. But two, if I'm a if I'm a soccer mom, let me roleplay here. If I'm a soccer mom, I'm driving my minivan to Target, and I park at Target, and I'm like, I'm going to get little Timmy. It's always little Timmy. If I'm going to get little Timmy a Wii U, let me see what they got. I heard he loves the Mario Karts. They're going to, uh, well, I'm going to walk in, Grab a shopping cart, go to go to the section. You and then heard he, he likes the Mario Kart. He heard, song. yeah, he heard. I heard he likes the Mario Karts. Yeah, I heard secondhand <laughs> through his brother or something. Little Timmy and little uh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. So I'm I'm at the section, and there's Mario Kart on the display. And then, ne- or let's say they're at Mario Kart. They're at Mario Kart, but next to it they have a Splatoon. Again, it won't be at Target because Best Buy exclusive. But they have a Splatoon bundle at Target. And then I go, well, it's not Mario Kart, but it's, it's apparently a good game. It comes with the system. I'll give it a shot. I mean, why? Sure. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'm sure. I'm sure it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I can't squid. Nope. Squid doesn't work in a pun. Today I learned squid, does, squid doesn't work for puns. But anyway, yeah. So I feel like just having it on the shelf. The whole point of that awful role play was to point out that if if it's there on the shelf on the box with the system, it implies a certain level of quality or a certain level of important or a more realistic scenario she goes to best buy oh my timmy wants mario kart oh this is a platoon bundle that's not mario kart though he'll get mad at me if i don't get mario kart i'm gonna be late to go find okay better example timmy wanted a wii u. i can't believe we're going so in depth with this timmy wanted a wii u goes there if he was not specific about the game he wants yeah then yeah i, I screwed up by giving a specific game I went way too in depth with with or my no. mom scenario. So like he wanted the Mario Kart bundle, but here's the Splatoon bundle, and it comes with a second and, game. And here's Mario Kart on the shelf. I could get them both. No, yeah, no. Here's here's the real seller, or here's I the real kicker. The There's a Mario Kart bundle for three hundred dollars, and here's the Splatoon bundle where you get two games for three hundred dollars. Sure and the Mario I can buy bundle also comes with Nintendo Land. Does it? I'm pretty sure it does. Let's find out. I'll look it up. Yeah, uh, you'll look it up. But yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, it just seems like a good opportunity for Nintendo to get the word out and make it seem... They, they're making Splatoon seem like it's a big deal. Whether or not it actually ends up being a big deal, I don't know. But they're certainly making it seem like it's a big deal, and they're putting a lot of muscle behind the idea of it being a big deal. Which should hopefully be turned into a big deal. The other thing they're doing that makes it kind of a big deal is Nintendo's holding an all-day launch event for Splatoon here... Well, pre-launch event here in Los Angeles at the San Marco Pier on Friday, May 15th. They're creating a giant ink-filled, or so they claim obstacle course and it's gonna be called the splatoon mess fest and uh basically nintendo's inviting a bunch of kid-friendly celebrities like this they name dropped one guy in the press release from disney channel i've never heard of him i've never heard of the show i assume that means i'm an old man now i don't know oh you're right i guess it comes with just the, mario kart well it comes with a wiimote and steering wheel right right but but see i feel like the price value i feel like you get more bang for your buck with two games you do yeah but anyway, so there's Splatoon. Oh, and the Mario hat too. And no, it doesn't. That's the European bundle. Oh, uh, that's from Nintendo.co.uk store. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Mess Fest. Like, did... it's annoying because I now feel old because they so they announced they have these celebrities there and they're gonna be doing the the obstacle course. The public cannot do the obstacle course. The obstacle course is strictly a PR thing with celebrities, and they've only announced one celebrity so far. And that celebrity is someone I've never heard of from Disney Channel, and I feel extremely old. But uh, people are welcome to go out. And if it was like four years ago, I would have totally know who it was. No, if it was like eight years ago, I might have known because of uh, a roommate I used to have who used to watch Disney Channel all the time. You know who I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> multiple roommates, actually, But uh, which was weird. Uh, like, Wizards of Waverly, Waverly Place was a regular thing in my apartment that year. It was extremely strange. iCarly? iCarly was not. Although occasionally it was on. That same roommate would also watch that a lot. Oh, I never saw him watch iCarly. Oh. Is it Miranda Cosgrove? Whatever happened to her? But anyway, um, yeah, so the, the Mess Fest, uh, people can go check it out. If you're a member of the public, you get to just play the game. They've got multiplayer and single-player demos. You get a shirt if you're lucky. You get to watch the Mess Fest. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So it's, it's significant, I feel like, for a couple of reasons. One, anything with celebrities draws good PR on certain websites. They're gonna pop up on the on like, you know, Perez Hilton or Just Jared or one of those sites. It's gonna if it's Disney Channel stars, it'll pop up on a lot of kid friendly sites. Then the name Splatoon gets out there more. It you know, it works in that regard. Separately, Sam Hawk appears one of the biggest tourist spots in the city of Los Angeles. What? Has thousands upon thousands of people visited a day. So it makes sense for Nintendo to put something there on a Friday I think it would make more sense to do it on Saturday. And if it was on Saturday, I'd almost want to go cover it for the site. But I'm not taking off work for this. But um, it's on Friday, like from 11 to 7 p.m. 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. So it's eight hours of mess and fest. But it's just in, on if a weekday. If you could participate, I would definitely try to go. But it Yeah, you cannot. It. It's only for the celebs, which is weird. But but it's still a good move for Nintendo because it's going to draw a lot of attention. I'm sure they're going to have videos. It's going to pop up. I'm sure local news will cover it. It's... It's a good way to get this new franchise out there, and it's just the latest in Nintendo's efforts to really, really promote Splatoon. Because, I mean, all they've been doing at game conferences from January till May has been Splatoon. That's the only Wii U game they've been demoing, so they're pushing it hard. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much on Splatoon. Totally switching gears with no transition whatsoever. Masahiro Sakurai. You may know him as the producer of the Smash Bros. games, and since this episode's theme is kind of overarching uh, DLC, it's only fitting that we mention some comments he talked about with Smash Bros. and its DLC. So, um, he kind of talked about the uh, Mar Smash Bros. Wii U and 3DS's past DLC decisions, or 
how he said there wasn't going to be any, and future DLC decisions, where he's now saying there's going to be tons, which is a complete, as we learned, more than 1080. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he, as is always the case with Sakurai, he's extremely to the point when he says things, but he also can, almost contradicts himself every time he talks. So, um, in this case... Later we're going to find out that Ice Climbers are going to be in it, and like, there was never any problem Yeah, next thing, Yeah, exactly. Ice Climbers always work on 3DS. I don't know what you're talking about. But, uh, yeah, so for those who aren't aware, as you may recall, before Smash Bros. came out... Well, if you're under, to the new 3DS. <laughs> actually, that wouldn't be a bad selling point for the thing. I, it would suck. It, it would, would fracture the. It would uh, fragment the user base too much. But it's not a horrible well, idea. Actually, it's not that bad because, like, yeah, because like, you get it for the Wii U, and then if you have a new 3DS, you have access to another character. If you don't, then, I then you're screwed sucks. for no but, reason. But it's DLC. Like it's like yeah, it's, it's actually not a horrible. Like, idea. I mean, I, could I, get mean, I, mean that. I mean, you still get the full game, so it's not like you're you're not exactly missing out on content you would have had because you wouldn't. Yeah. So that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, I, I, yeah. I feel like as long as it's on the Wii U, because that's like the version. Right, the main right. one. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, Maybe we'll see it happen. Because he's basically saying he's going to do as much DLC as he can now, so it's possible. But yeah, for those who don't know or may not recall, um, before Smash Bros. came out, he did Sakurai did say that he had zero interest in doing DLC. None. At all. His plan was to finish Smash Bros. and be done and move on to something less stressful and that wouldn't hurt his wrist as much to play test because he has a bad wrist. And because the noose around his neck is tightening. And uh, yeah, he, he was literally comparing himself to being hanged. Smash Bros. was him being hanged, and I was like, you know what? I sure did love that tingly it's like, feeling. <laughs> so you're trying to make me feel guilty for playing it? Yeah, exactly. And, like, the logic at the time was kind of sound. Or that you better enjoy it because it was like I was hanging myself for you. Right, right. But the the logic at the time that he was giving, and now the reason he explains that he felt that people way, is too much. pretty sound. No, it wasn't even people want too much. He basically said that he has a problem with the concept of DLC. He thinks DLC is a scam. He literally said the words, it's a scam, in his uh, bi-weekly Famitsu article where all this was written. Famitsu, for those who don't know, Japanese video game magazine. Uh, so, in at least in some cases, it's a scam. He went on to say that like a lot of game developers, what they do, which we see all the time, we talked about with the Day 1 DLC a little bit ago, or alluded to it, is that they'll leave out content in a game so they can then flip it back and Day 1 be like, hey, you wanted this mode? Well, guess what? You can buy it for 10 bucks." And then people are like, all right. Because the logic is, and he's absolutely right, strike while the iron's hot. When a game's brand new, that's when people care about it, that's when people are playing it, that's when people will sink extra money to it, into it. If you're looking like seven months down the road, how many people are going to be like, oh man, I can't wait for that Watch Dogs DLC 15 months after the game came out? Yeah, I guess if you have consistent amount of DLC yeah. throughout the whole time, like, it will never feel like there was a gap. But... Right, right. But that Sakurai's issue is so many companies are now saying, we're just going to pull something out of the game and sell it separately because we can and we can get more money that way. And he's like, that's stupid. It's a scam. You deserve a full game. And as such, Sakurai is stressing, who knows if he's telling the truth, but he certainly seems to be because we've played it, that Smash Bros. was designed from start to finish as a full game. The roster was full. The one exception was Mewtwo, which was planned in advance, but their idea was they wanted to reward people who had the tournament yes. mode and the... Uh, well, no, 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 uh, but that's all free. No, 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 he, I, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, that's not like, oh, yeah, like because yeah. they didn't finish it. Right, right. But he's saying it's a complete package. Yeah. You are guaranteed a complete package, yeah. And Mewtwo was the exception in that it was originally going to be and tournament mode. I see what you're saying now. Tournament mode, the Miiverse stage. All that was going to come later. In the case of Mewtwo, they wanted to make him and let you download him after the fact because they want to reward you for buying both versions of the game as a thank you. And then they realized, this is what he, he says is the reasoning, they realized, wait a minute, you could be a family with one Wii U and five 3DSs. Only one of those 3DSs gets Mewtwo through this deal. 
So they're like, well, why don't we sell Mewtwo? So if the other four 3DSs wanted Mewtwo, they also can get Mewtwo. They won't get the free Mewtwo, but at least they can get Mewtwo some way. Nintendo can't just give out endless Mewtwo's, but they can do this as a workaround. And then once they started building the payment structure, like, uh, why don't we just give fans more more characters? I mean, that seems to be what they want. It seems to be. <laughs> and he, he's, I mean, he's totally right. I mean, it's... There, he specifically said that the anticipation of a new Smash Bros. character is always like a really fun part of the experience for fans, and it is true. Think about it. The Smash Bros. Dojo, for three years, was giving drip feeds of new information, and every time there's a new character, the internet like had a mini like seismic event for it. And then like with the you know with um, the Miiverse stuff they did for this game, it's kind of the same thing. A new character was announced, in, or like in a direct, and it was trending on Twitter immediately. Like, it's a cool, it's not just a good marketing opportunity, but fans just like to speculate about characters, like to vote on characters, hence the ballot. It's it's a smart marketing and fan reward system. So his attitude now is, well, go ahead and tighten that noose, because you know what? I want to keep the fans happy. If they want more characters, <laughs> I'm going to give it to them. So kill me if you gotta. They're getting their, they're getting their uh, Lucas. <laughs> that's basically his attitude at this point. But that's why he flipped. He says it was like, they came to the realization Mewtwo needs to be pay, have a pay option. Or they have to give it to everyone, but then there's no reward for the guys that bought both, so it's kind of a weird toss-up. And then once they did that, they're like, screw it, we're going all in. So, from that angle, I guess he's not a total flip-flopper, but it's, it's still interesting. I think it's, I think it's cool that he's doing it. Like, it's nice that he's actually trying to keep giving fans what they want, even with the ballot, which is a whole other level of crazy in terms of, like, imagine the poor intern has to read those stupid submissions. There's yeah. so many bad ones. And every indie character known to man is now getting a campaign. Like, I'm not calling them out negatively. I'm just giving examples. Like, there's one for like Shovel Knight. There's one for Milo. There's one for uh, Ukulele, which was literally just announced. There's like every imaginable indie character. Uh, Commander Video. Like, it's just they just have their own game. I mean, I guess they do. It's called Runbo. But uh, like everyone wants Commander it. Video Runbo. He's in Runbo. Oh no, yeah, but yeah, I'm well, saying they all have their own mini Smash Bros in Runbo. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah, I you were saying um, Rumble was Commander Mewtwo's game. Oh no 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 no! I was saying they all have their own yeah. game in Rumble. But the one thing I don't, the one thing that this doesn't excuse his whole backstory, in my opinion, second time mentioning it, those stupid DLC microtransactions for the me costumes. I don't know why I hate these so much, but I really do. And it doesn't mesh at all with what Sakurai is saying about like, oh yeah, we're doing it because people want characters. Like no one's like, oh, I mean, I guess you could argue, well, they wanted the Skull Kid, so we'll give him the Majora's Mask mask. Eh? Um, the X and um, Proto Man are really cool. They are. And I, I guess the logic is, well, we're not going to give them full characters, but we can give them half steps. But even mm-hmm. then, I can't help but wonder, is there a mandate from Nintendo to be like, do some microtransactions, man. Come on. Just just a few. Like, I, I don't know. I, you might be... You might be... Your happiness about Proto Man X and Mega Man might prove that, like, yeah, they're just trying to appease even the lesser characters in some... Or people that want the lesser characters, or characters they don't get the rights to. But, uh, yeah, I think there is a money grab, and it kind of goes against his whole scam point. It's not scam, but that, just he's so against Dungeon, it. Like, and of all characters. the characters, like, to make another costume for it, like, let's make this... Well, I guess, I yeah. guess more even... Or, like, why the monkey suits? Who's gonna be like, oh, I can't wait to have a monkey suit? They should have... There's, oh, there is a cat suit. There's a cat suit, but it's not the Mario cat suit. It's just a cat suit, oh, not the cat super, suit. They could have just made like the Mario costume that he wears. Like, does it make a difference? I guess yeah, it's not good. I, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. And they could have made a Tanuki suit. Yeah, like there's so many opportunities. The frog they could have, suit. Yeah, there's, any everything. There's literally. so many opportunities, and instead they're like, here's a monkey, and here's I mean, a shirt I mean, I mean, that has the Smash still, Bros. logo. I mean, I guess they still can. 
It's just I don't know. It's that still bothers me. But I, 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 I like that. Shirt is that yeah. one's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. hey, you want the logo on your shirt, but not a real shirt. Don't be crazy. Just a digital shirt in the game that has the logo on the box to begin with. Like, who cares? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's great to be in the characters, though. But, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that since we did a long time ago talk about Sakurai's unwillingness to do DLC, and now here he is doing it and explaining why. But he's not the only Japanese game developer making headlines. There is another that's probably actually definitely a much bigger story in the game industry. And it's not even directly Nintendo-related, but still I feel like important enough that we should probably touch on it. And that is uh, Hideo Kojima separating himself from his longtime publisher, Konami in a very, very dramatic fashion. So for those who um, are not caught up to speed with this, I'll give you the really rapid-fire breakdown. So it all starts with a report that Kojima and Konami were not seeing eye-to-eye -eye on the uh, development and the creative process of Metal Gear Solid V. This is back in March. From there, and this is the PS4 game, just to be clear, for anyone who is somehow Slash completely in a... What? Slash 360? Or PS... Or Xbox, Xbox One? One? Is it on? I thought it was PS4 only. I want to say it's Maybe it's Xbox, Xbox One. One. Well, either way, either. you can check that. I'll keep going with it what kinda you did. It kind of went multi-platform. Yeah, so... Did it? Um, yeah, Because Phantom know, Pain's only on PS4. Because I know Xbox One... I mean, I know 360 got a few... Oh, yeah, but they get them later. It starts as exclusive no, no, yeah. and then trickles over. But, um, yeah, so... He's making the game. He had apparently creative differences. And then right after that report came out, uh, the logo for Kojima Productions, his development studio, started disappearing from the Metal Gear Solid Five website. After that, Kojima went, no, 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 I'm still 100% committed to Metal Gear Solid Five. He did not no, say it's anything. actually for a bunch of things. Windows, PS3, PS4, 360, and Xbox One. Metal Gear Solid Five? May I? That's the Phantom Pain. Look up the full one. That's that's it. Phantom... Wait, what am I thinking of? What's the one that already came out? The, like, half-step one. Ground Zeroes? Oh, right. Oh, well, okay then. <laughs> I guess it is. Uh, but anyway. Everything but Wii U. Yeah, of course. But maybe that'll change now that he's apparently free agent. So yeah, so they start taking the logos down from all the sites. And then so Kojima's like, no, no, no. He's going soon with his own. Right. Like everyone else is doing it. Yeah, what was the thing you tweeted? It's not going to be Metal Gear, it's going to be... Iron Cog. Oh, that's what it was, Iron Cog, yeah. But, um, yeah, he... Couldn't now... even send him for Solid that would work. Iron, Metal Gear Solid Iron is Cog. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. else. Yeah. That's how he wrote Metal Gear series. Yeah, that's very strategic tweeting on your part. But yeah, so the logo started coming down from the sites, and then Kojima's like, no, 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 I'm committed to Metal Gear 5. Metal Gear Solid 5. He didn't say anything about Konami as a company. And then from there, it just snowballed. His podcast that Konami puts out called Kojima... Or the Kojima I Productions mean, podcast. That he got still cut has off. Kojima Productions, right? That's, his yeah, that's still him. But they shut down their podcast because they used to be hosted by Konami's website. They started removing the Kojima Productions logo from the Silent Hills website. That's the collaboration he's doing with Guillermo del Toro. Then... They pulled the PT demo. That was the initial announcement of the Silent Hills project. And then PS4 started showing up on eBay with the PT demo. Yeah, because much like when Flappy Bird was pulled from the App Store. Same oh, yeah. situation. And then, to top it all off, last week, Konami goes, Oh yeah, Silent Hills, that's cancelled. So Kojima's definitely leaving the company at this point. It's crazy because they somehow managed to get like Kojima, Guillermo del Toro, Norman Reedus. Yeah, Norman from Walking Dead, who's super bummed that he can't do the game. And, house and, like, and they're making a Silent Hill. And, like, the, and no, the, no, no, they're making multiple Silent, Silent Hill. Whatever. It has an S at the end. It's one game right now. I know. Yeah. And they're making a Silent Hill game. And then the PT, like I played it, it was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, and it was like a really unique marketing strategy like, to do a demo to announce a game or a playable teaser. Did they announce something that's like almost like, it seems so impossibly crazy that it, it was even 
happening and then it just gets cancelled and it's like well yeah because Kojima's just like I'm out big slap in the face of anyone that they like it's not uh, yeah from Konami I don't think this is Kojima's doing oh no no something happened with the board and they are forcing him out but I'm not sure why but the thing that's stupidest about this is Konami has nothing going on for them now that he's gone yes they own Yu-Gi-Oh but when was the last time anyone that just kind of trucks along under the radar. That's not a huge franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's still... I mean, I'll give them that. It's still actually kind of big in its own thing. Yeah, guess, but... But it's, yeah. It, that's... It's not yeah. a mainstream... It's not mainstream like Metal Gear. No. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you look at the... Oh, the Kana- kids, if you look at the Konami website and you look under games, it's just a Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Yeah. Well, no, I think... It, yeah, I think if you press games, it goes to yeah. a longer list. But the only highlight was Metal Gear. But yeah, and they also have Castlevania still, to their credit. Well, but nothing you're not guaranteed anything good coming out of it like the last one they came out yeah and the problem with that is the guy who made Castlevania the guy who spearheaded all the 2D Castlevanias all the DS and uh, GBA ones guy named uh, Koji Higurashi he left Capcom years ago in Can similar you know? circuit what? Igarashi. who are you talking about? no no I said you mean Konami? Konami what did I just say? Capcom? Konami thank you there was a meme a while ago of someone mixing up Konami and Capcom and I just fell into that trap but yeah no um yeah, Igarashi left, and he used to be the head of Castlevania. They still Contra. They still have... Who cares about Contra, though? Like, they haven't had a game in yet. WayForward made an excellent DS game, but nothing since. Oh, and then they have like Silent Hill, but no one's doing anything with that. They have Love Plus in Japan, which is huge, except the producer and the director, I believe, just left Capcom as well. Or, God, Konami as well. Everyone's leaving the company for they no They made some reason. of the best Ninja Turtle games. And then they lost the license. Yeah, but this was like in 2003. <laughs> yeah, but my point, like, they have not, they yeah. don't have Ubisoft any talent over. that's known. They might still have talent, but what is going on with the company? Why Why are all these people leaving? Why are all their franchises falling apart? They're going to focus on the cards, and that's it. Did you see their booth at E3 last year? It was a big, empty space with no demo units. It just had a table that you go get Metal Gear info at, and that was it. Like, the company... It's sad, because I did a two-week internship there in high school, and they were... They were everyone at Konami America is really nice... Really cool people. Well, I mean, Konami... But, man, they're falling apart. I know, but I'm just saying, like, Konami as a company, man, they're falling apart. Like, I don't know what Kojima did. But I think it almost represents, like, a weird shift. Like, Kojima was, like, the last, like, big Japanese third-party publisher figure. Like, there's this shift happening. I don't know if you noticed, but all the Japanese... Yeah, did the... The main guy from... The Street Fighter guy, um... Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no, didn't he also leave Capcom? He might have. I want to say that I think he did yeah like everyone's leaving cause there's this weird shift happening or getting fired I don't something. know what yeah it's just like I mean here if you want to run through a list we also lost um let's see here I had it I had a list I made a list Yuji Naka left Sega in the mid 2000s in the early 2000s he was the guy that made Sonic and now he works at Prope which coincidentally made Ultimate Angler the Street Pass game but um he makes he did, he did that he did Let's Tap that weird Wii game where you tap the Wii mode on a box to make your character oh. run. Like, that's what he's doing with his life now. Uh, Igor... <laughs> Igor, I feel bad saying that. Igarashi, as we mentioned, is gone from Konami, so he's doing who knows what. Um, who else? There's more. Oh, yeah. The guy behind Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive, uh, Itagaki, or however you say his name, he left Tecmo years ago and is actually now making Devil's Third for Nintendo. But all these major prolific... Japanese game developers have all left their major companies and then you even have major franchises from Japan like Final Fantasy is nowhere near as big as it used to be it's still big but it's not a blockbuster event in the US like it was whenever a new one's released 
uh, it's just weird. There's like a def- there's definitely a changing of the guard where it's like Japanese developers. Really don't hear any of that coming from Nintendo except for. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Except for Sakurai. I mean, he kind of did that a little, but he's but still kind of yeah, but he's also the exception. But why? Why was yeah. what I was getting at is like Japan used to be the powerhouse in the '90s, like N64 era, Super Nintendo era, PS2 era. If there was a major high profile release, Rare two Rare. out of three times <laughs> it was Japan. I don't know, yeah. Wait, what did you say? Rareware. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah, the the crazy Brits at Rareware. Rare, rareware. But, no, like, three, two or three times, it was like, when there's a major release, it was a Japanese game. Like, Japan dominated the industry. Now it's all American and Western companies. And Japan's literally just crumbling. All the major figureheads have left their companies, or are leaving. All the major franchises from Japan don't sell as well. The one exception, like you kind of said, is Nintendo. I mean, th- th- this is the scale. This would be as if Miyamoto yeah. like Capcom had gone as fat with Nintendo and Capcom's left. Capcom's weird. It, it, it sounds like things aren't all sunshine and rainbows over there either. But yeah, they're a little better. Yeah, no, yeah, because I mean, like, say what people will about Metal. I mean, Resident Evil, but their games are still selling really well. And, yeah, and I mean, well, Monster Hunter, like we all know, is a success story. Yeah, there's still exceptions to the rule. Just to be clear, it's not like Monster Hunter yeah. doesn't do well. Street Fighter does well. Resident they, Evil does well. They seem to be well. satisfied with Ace Attorney. Actually, they have a lot of good franchises right now. Yeah, and like Square Enix has good niche tiles. Like the Theater Rhythm game is pretty popular. Final Fantasy obviously is still a big thing. Dragon Quest is still a thing. Bravely Default. Super yeah, Bravely Default. Well, that's Nintendo published. That's kind of a weird half step. But And like Level 5 is a major Japanese powerhouse that still is big in the U.S. or was big until they made Layton for iPhone. But, um, no, like, there's still Japanese companies, but it's less a Japanese industry than it used to oh, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these guys leaving their posts really signify that. It, it'd literally be like if Miyamoto's like, man, Nintendo's not like make, letting me make Pikmin. Your I want to make a mature Pikmin. Then you're Bloodborne, then you're... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no, Bloodborne's a bad example. That's from software. That is Japan. Oh, never mind. From software is a Japanese company. But, um... Uh, but, yeah, no, and there are, again, there are exceptions, Bloodborne being one of them. But this would be as if... Dark Miyamoto- Souls? Japan, Bandai Namco, but this would be this would be as if, and like Namco's still doing stuff, but they're like second fiddle to Nintendo. They literally are making things for Nintendo now, but like on their behalf. Yeah. But this would be as if Miyamoto's like, hey, I really want to do Pikmin Five, in like it all takes place inside a fish, and Nintendo's just like, get out. Like that's essentially what's happening here, but with a little less ridiculousness. Like it's it's so bizarre. <laughs> and he goes to Kickstarter, and, and he goes to Kickstarter and makes Fishmen. Or something, <laughs> yeah, like or fish women or something. Like it's that's that's what's happening. Instead of here. an astronaut, it's all underwater. You're like a little scuba diver kind of dude, and you're controlling an army of fish. Exactly, exactly, and and it's yeah, it's a little school oh, a little, fish, a bunch of little anglerfish because they already have yeah, and they have antenna. the light bulb, yeah, 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 and then it's it's um he was got caught Aquaman, Aqu- but then Aqu- Aquaman, but he realized there's already Aquaman, yeah. so now it's Waterman, H two Omen. And it has the, the plot <laughs> oh, involves a curse. The plot involves a curse. You see, but no. It leads to a real question now because you keep saying Kojima's gonna go Kickstarter. He's gonna go Kickstarter. What is he gonna do next? Is Kickstarter a viable thing for him? Because he's big on like Hollywood production, getting Kiefer Sutherland. I don't know. Like, I see him definitely going to. But he isn't Kickstarter. Well, yeah, but Kickstarter. If he did the Kickstarter thing, oh, that know. wouldn't have. He's got to do something else for sure. But Kickstarter, I don't know if he can guarantee enough money to do the ridiculous forty-five minute cinematics of a Metal Gear game. Those cost a, a ton of money. The budget it would have to be a years. smaller thing. He, would, he, smaller he might have to like revive on Time Cop or whatever that yeah um, game he made before Metal Gear that was also apparently popular but never got a sequel. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> as much as Time Cop was a good game, I actually did enjoy it. But uh, they have an arcade version, right? Because I played an arcade, I think. It's I'm not like, an arcade. Am like, I thinking of Time Crisis? I'm thinking of Time yeah, Crisis. Yeah, uh, this is like a half animated... It's like a... I don't even know oh, it's like Snatcher. 
Which is also, I think, his. Sure. Well, it's not sure it's full motion video, but like half cinematic, half Yeah, the, they have the sum of that. Yeah. But but I, I'm curious what he's going to do, because, I mean, not every developer is going... You know, another one we forgot the, is Inafune. Nintendo from, hired them of it. Make our cutscenes for Zelda. <laughs> 24... See, that, how would that work? Like, it doesn't talk. It's going to be 45 minutes of just one person talking, and one person going like, hey, yeah, hey. <laughs> like weird sounds that Link makes. But Or, yeah. And that'll be it for 45 minutes. Yeah. It's going to be a silent film. But, uh, I mean, not everyone goes to Kickstarter. One guy we forgot to mention in our list of everyone leaving their post, Inafune of Capcom, Mr. Mega Man, doing my number nine now. He left as well. But, yeah, I'm curious yeah. if I'm curious if Kojima's going to go... What? Uh, I was like, yeah, but he's still a significant figure. Yeah, he I'm just he used to run Capcom. Uh from a develop, he used to run all the development teams. Uh but yeah, I'm curious what Kojima's gonna do. Like I guess he could go to the Kickstarter round do a smaller project like Inafune did or whatever. Or he could go a bigger round, maybe he'll do what uh, Itagagi did. I mean like he could literally make another like top down Yeah, like an old like, like, school. Like open metal gear. Yeah, I mean the Game Boy Color one's very well received. And that was mm-hmm. top down and old school. Or even something on the size of like a PSP game or something, but and he's done that before. I mean, he made acid. Yeah. He made the drug acid. Uh, but no, he. Um, yeah, I almost want. I almost want to have what happened with Itagagi with Devil's Third to happen with Kojima's next project. I would love for him to shop it around, maybe, and other companies being like, eh. And then Nintendo swoops in and go, well, he doesn't even have the disappointment in his life. Never mind. But I want Nintendo to swoop in on his next project. Be like, we're gonna publish it. We need something unique like this for Wii U. You're on board because obviously he's friends with Sakurai. Not that hard to go one step further to Iwata. So it could happen. I want it to happen. It's just it's so crazy that the industry like this is happening right now in the industry, but I the silver lining is we may finally get a Kojima production on Wii U or NX or whatever a system. Kojima production. Yes, I meant that both as it, I guess they could do Star Fox, I mean they, I, no, I, no, 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 I could definitely see them doing like over the top, like thirty minute cutscenes, just because it would oh, be like a yeah. space opera drama. Oh god, it would be a soap opera between yeah, Crystal, a, space drama. A, a life tri- uh, a love triangle with Crystal, Falco, and Fox. But, it'd be Wolf because she went off the bat. Yeah, it'd be Wolf. Yeah, you're right. You're right. She ran off with Wolf. That actually, was one of the endings in in, in, command. in command. One of seventeen thousand different endings. <laughs> but uh, that's a roommate that plays that watched all those Disney Channel movies. Um, he actually he finished. Yeah, them he, he beat everything. One day. I didn't know he did all of them. Huh, yeah, interesting. Really like that game. But, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I hope, I kind of secretly hope this Kojima Nightmare works out to be a Nintendo Plus. Maybe, um. Mainly because I don't own any other consoles. Maybe you know this will run into him again and you could give him a hug. I'm not give him a hug, I'm just going to tell him make a Nintendo game and yep. run away. I'd be like, hi, make it. Yeah, I, yeah, we did meet him and he did not understand where we were. Well, maybe he did, but he he, he's, he had to look at a translator. We're like, we got a photo. And then he kind of gave us a look, and then his translator like, da, 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 and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but Or you could just give him a hug, because I'm sure that's universal. But how does that make him make a game for a Nintendo system? I don't know, it could make him feel better. It'd be like, people, you just wear a Nintendo shirt and point at your shirt. There we go. <laughs> I'll just point and be like, this, do this. I will, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to have a, uh, I'll carry with me at all times in my wallet a picture of the Wii U. <laughs> just pull it out, point to it, and be like, wallet, like, like one of those like, family things where like, it yeah, like, like, unfolds <laughs> on itself. And it's this comic strip that shows like Metal Gear and one friend, like Snake looking sad, and then another picture just, or, or of the Wii U. Or you show him a snapshot from like, Snake Fighting Mario from Smash Bros. It'd be like, then he'll just be like, oh, thanks. I'd like to like Smash oh, Bros. You need to storyboard it. You need like, Snake is sad, Snake sees a Wii U, Snake is happy. Make a game for Wii U. <laughs> Snake is hiding in the Wii U box. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. But, but you know, while we're on the topic of all these famous developers that are making new things not at their companies, 
probably a good time to talk about a couple of spiritual successors that are coming our way. Uh, first up, keeping it in Japan to start with, let's talk Maya number 9 for a few minutes. So, if you, for those of you out there who haven't been keeping up with the game very much, uh, you it may recall... It's a lot. It's what? Well, uh, it seems like it's like It's a, nothing like what they pitched it as. Unless so. It's, it's uh, like a roller coaster of that. It, it's a that roller thing. coaster of mixed emotions. <laughs> but, but yes, for those who don't know what it is, it's a Mega Man successor. Uh, Kiji Inafune, the guy that made Mega Man, or co-made it, co-created it is the proper way of saying that, uh, he left the company and he's like, you know what, we're going to make a Mega Man game. Capcom won't make Mega Man, so we're going to make Mega Man. We're going to make it how we want, which means not as good. Uh, well, that's too harsh. I don't know for sure. It just doesn't look as good. But uh, 2D side-scroller. It's got these 3D polygon art style. Uh, the art style originally was pitched looked really slick. And in the latest, the latest screenshots looking better, but like the last batch prior to the, these couple days, not so hot. Looked very rudimentary. Granted, it's in production still, but yeah. So it's originally supposed to come out this month, actually. And then it got pushed back. And the reason it got pushed back is because they now have a publisher for the game. Oh. And here's the weird wrinkle wait. in this. Yes. Allow me to backpedal. I was like, wait a minute. Allow me to explain. I, well, I do remember them asking... They had two for, Kickstarters for, for one game. So they originally had a Kickstarter of $900,000 saying, come on guys, we want to make this game. It's going to be just like Mega Man. It's going to have six different bosses. You go level level. You get powers. You do the whole thing. It's going to be awesome. My number nine. Yeah support it and i was like oh sweet i'm gonna support it then for the we were at ami expo last year here in la and you know Funo is doing a speech a speech he's doing a keynote I'm like this is awesome i can i, I met him at ami expo and he was a nice guy super nice guy i don't mean it just his game did you give him a hug? i did not but i got but why is why why am i hugging strangers anyway <laughs> uh so yeah and then he announced there hey guess what we're making my number nine a whole multi-platform crazy multimedia experience so some of that money you gave us for the game, it all went to the game. But simultaneously, we might have also moved some of the money to do other things. So we're not. No, we didn't that. promise. Yeah, I mean, they first of all they claim they didn't do that, but let's be real, they did that. Uh, so they also are making an anime TV show now. They're also making him have a very kitty persona. All Forget of a sudden. that Mega Man exists. It's they just like, yeah, um, they're they're doing all this other stuff with the game and to fund it. You right? oh yeah, so it, the, the Kickstarter was nine hundred thousand dollars. They raised over four million on the first Kickstarter. And then, they're like, you know what? We need more. We need more money, you guys. We're making a show now. You don't understand. So if you back us now, you'll get all the perks of the original backers, plus some new stuff, and then we'll have even more money to work with. Now keep in mind, this is a 2D side-scrolling indie game that originally was only going to be for download. They do not need like $7 million to do that. But apparently they do. So, so then they did the second Kickstarter, and they're starting to do a show, and they're doing all this other stuff, and the game itself is still chugging along, whatever. And then they announced these past few days, by the way, you know how you funded us, and then we need more money for more funding because we want to make a really great game? Well, we now have a publisher. Here's a fun fact about publishers. You know what publishers usually do? Fund games. So they got their funding. They got their second funding. And now they're like, you know what? We need even more money to do even more stuff. So they're now getting a publisher. And there's nothing wrong with having a publisher. And they did say from the start they may one, get, one day get published. But my impression was when they came back to us at Anime Expo and then publicly to the whole world and said, hey, we're going to need more money, that was to me them going, we're not getting a publisher, so we need to turn to you for more money. In reality, it was them going, we just want more money. So it's it's been a little shady the whole way through. And the reaction in the room when they started pitching more money was definitely a timid response. Like everyone was hooping and hollering when they first showed up. They're like, yeah, so here's our pitch for more money. And the room just got quiet. 
it was super like it wasn't like awkward quiet it was like what quiet <laughs> like it's just like i i don't understand like people weren't mad yet they were just very confused and then they get a publisher so i'm a little biased i'm being a little harsh but the cool thing about the publisher deal which is actually legitimately cool uh deep silver's go to a physical release of the game on every console including wii u they're pushing it to september 15th to pull this off but what they're doing is any kickstarter backer will get this new dlc pack called raise dlc it's a brand new character with all new levels and that dlc will come in the physical copy of the game for 30 dollars or if you backed it, you get the game for $20 with the DLC for free as a thank you for backing. And if you just buy it on the eShop when it comes out in September, $20 for the standard game, then you could buy the DLC if you choose, and it'll probably be a buck or two cheaper than the physical release. So that part I think they're handling quite well, and I think it's great that they're rewarding both sets of backers. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know we have a publisher now. We're making more content for their physical release, so it's more worth their while. But you guys were there from day one or day 400, whenever that second Kickstarter was. We want to reward you for believing in us. Here's what we're giving the publisher. Here's what the publisher commissioned. But we're giving it to you for free. Like I think that's really cool, and I think that takes a lot of the bad taste out of my mouth about the situation. But it's still kind of a weird situation. But yeah, so it's coming out, like I said, in September. And um, honestly, I'm fine with the delay. It needed the extra po polish. It's good. It has the extra polish. We'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic that'll turn out great. But in the time since they announced it, we already got a really good, essentially, Mega Man called Shovel Knight. <laughs> and that was great. Like, it's not full-on Mega Man, but it was, like, trying to capture what this game's all about. Where it's like, oh, yeah, old-school 8-bit, really solid action platformer. But it's it, it, it it Shovel Knight, though, like, which, is, which is really cool. What? I mean, I like that Shovel Knight definitely feels like its own thing. It doesn't yeah, feel it like does. a... Like, I mean... Like, yeah, you, you can see the DuckTales inspired stuff with the yeah. pogo stick. But... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but so I mean, that's... just... No, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, but I don't know. I, I think that's really cool. Because a lot of them... I definitely always write them off like, oh, it's another yeah. 8-bit side screen, but Shovel Knight definitely felt right, right. Which I guess, like, to clarify, I guess my point was, like, my Number 9 was supposed to be that perfect throwback game. Shovel Knight slotted in before that. We've had so many really good side-scrolling platforms since my Number 9 was announced and first kickstarted that I, I'm cautiously optimistic it'll still be well, but I almost feel like it already got surpassed by other stuff. But we'll see. I don't want to judge too soon. So we will see. But September 15th is when it's happening. It's cool uh, that Deep Silver is injecting more money into this thing to help polish it up. Hopefully it turns out to be a good game. Um, the other major Kickstarter retro revival that we really need to talk about, because this thing made real news on real websites, not just gaming sites. And it was trending on Twitter all morning on Friday when it was when the Kickstarter went live, is the successor to Banjo-Kazooie. Or the spiritual successor. Bucks. It's at over 1.6 million last day. Look. Yeah, it's at 1.8 right now. Yeah, that's Sweet. for those that aren't clear. It's Saturday night. It's at one point eight million. Thirty six hours after it went live, or just shy of forty eight hours after it went live. That is insane. But anyway, so the new game is producing those projects. Oh, Thirty minutes. Their secondary Kickstarter. Well, stretch goals. yeah, the first one. Oh, they 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 completed all the stretch goals, and oh yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll walk through all that in a minute. But just to fill people in who aren't aware, uh, the game was previously called Project Ukulele, and now it's just called Ukulele. But to be clear. This Banjo Kazooie successor is spelled in a Banjo Kazooie manner. So ukulele is Y O O K A dash L A Y L E E. That's Yuka Lele, the name of the two main characters, who were also revealed in tandem with the Kickstarter kicking off. So um, it's straight up Banjo Kazooie. The logo is like googly eyed and it's very similar font. The characters are talking the garbled gibberish. There's going to be, you know, there's a flying character that sits on the back of a stationary, of a grounded one. It's um it it's 
Banjo 3E for all intents and purposes. And uh, it's there's a chameleon now named Yuka and a bat named Laylee. And that, that's essentially it. So the mm. character design, one thing they did differently with this one versus Banjo-Kazooie, I mean, Banjo-Kazooie is kind of true too, but specifically this one, is they actually tried to focus on what animals make sense for the moves. Like, Banjo is just a bear. It's like, whatever, he's a bear. But they went with the... Punches and kicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like any animal that's somewhat anthropomorphic can punch and kick. but um, Or can be turned anthropomorphic. Uh, but so for, for Yuka... They want to use a creature that they could do different movesets with, so they picked someone who has a long tongue, a chameleon, meaning he can use it to grapple and he can use it as a whip. Meanwhile, lately, they just need a flying thing. So they went with the bat, and when they went with the bat, they are like, oh, we can do sonar, sonar So the bat's the female? The bat's the female. Oh. So with the, the bat's the female with the, red, with the uh, fuzzy nose, yes. But uh, lately has a fuzzy nose. But uh, that was big and red. It's very big and red. But yeah, and, and Laylee can briefly carry Yuka, and Laylee can also use sonar blast. Yuka can randomly roll in a ball Sonic style and Laylee can ride on its back. Like, kind of like ride Diddy on top of it. Yeah, very Diddy and Donkey Kong. Not at all something a chameleon can do or a bat can do. So that throws everything I just said out the window about how they're trying to match real animals. But nonetheless, now, um, they don't wear clothes. It's worth noting. Banjo and Kazooie were stylishly dressed. Yuka and Laylee are bearing it all for you to see. Definitely looks... It, it, I don't know why. I mean, that just makes them look a little more on the plain side. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but also as an anime, like as, as an animation buff and someone who cares about character design, what's your like drill deep here? What's your take on this? Because for me, I'm like they don't look quite as eye catching as Banjo Kazooie, but they're yeah. still decent enough. They've grown on me. But what about you? I feel like you're a little more. They look kind of boring. Yeah, like that, that's just like my initial thought. Like, like eh. I mean, like I feel like I mean, they, like like they have grown on me a little, Same. but just compared. To, well, actually, there is definitely um, minor bias just because I. Because I definitely love, like, I'm a big bird fan. Right. So, so the fact he's a bat is very, dis- or she's a bat is very distressing no, to you? No, 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 no. I think, I think like, the bat-chameleon combo is cool. It's okay. just, um, the fact that you had Kazooie, like, I don't know, that just seems, like, really cool. But, um, I don't know, I, I think also just the clothes, they don't seem like that. Uh, that or the lack it, it, thereof. It, the lack thereof doesn't seem like as big of a deal, but I feel it kind of gave Banjo... Gave them personality. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any more. Just like that little necklace, the yellow shorts for no reason. Like, I don't the vest? Know. He, was he had a, wasn't he wearing a jacket or a vest or something? Or a jean jacket or something? He had a top half, did he not? Uh, he doesn't. I think, oh, his backpack straps. I'm an idiot. Those yeah, are his backpack straps. Yeah, he wore a backpack. Yeah, the blue straps of the backpack. But still, that's an iconic part of his design. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I mean, it was like a backpack. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that, like, oh, the bird is in the backpack. I mean, the bird could have easily, like, attached himself like Yuka is to Laylee. Right. And, like, Laylee's to Yuka, but he's in the backpack. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just um, yeah, a little extra oomph. Now the thing yeah. is, the game is early on, so but, maybe they'll improve that. But, but they also have been around for a long time, so they have that familiarity. Yeah, like they're they're essentially iconic, which is probably like the only thing that like bothers me about the Kickstarter in general. Because I mean, I love the idea. Like the music sounds great. Like everything. We should about... touch on that actually before you. Oh. We should probably might as well run through what everything everything announced about the game, right? And then we can talk about the other stuff we don't like. Just because I don't, I don't know. I don't know who knows or who. Oh no, go ahead. Just oh, say it. Just say it. And then I'll fill in the gaps because I don't know how many people have seen the Kickstarter. Go ahead. No, no, you go for it. I already forgot it. I already lost. You're my gonna say you like the music? No, I already lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. I just I didn't want people to, like not have any context to what you're saying. But and this is where the podcast falls apart forever. No, uh, so maybe I'll come back to you when I say. It. Let me run through it and then I'll come back to you. So, um, gameplay wise, for those who don't know, it's pretty much Banjo Kazooie. It's um, 3D platformer. There are five worlds to explore and unlock. There's going to be a lot of stuff to collect. Interestingly, the guy who is in charge of DK64's collectathon 
stuff is in charge of this one, and they make a joke in the Kickstarter, Playtronic, the developer's joke, we're reining him in. So they're aware that DK64 is a little too heavy on the collecting, and they're going to scale it back. So um, the collectibles in ukulele have a little more purpose than before. The main one you're collecting are pages, which I assume are just jiggies with a different name. And they're not jigsaw puzzle pieces, they're pages of a book, because, you know. And um, what's gonna, how it's going to work is you can go through all five worlds and beat the, bo- the final boss and call it a day if you want. Or, if you collect all the different collectibles, including various, various pages, you will not just unlock the next levels, but stuff in the current world you're in. So the worlds actually expand within themselves as well as forward through the progression of the game. Meaning you can either rush through it and do what you want, or you can actually kind of explore a bit more, get more collectibles, and get more stuff. Which Banjo-Kazooie did a little with Banjo-Tooie, I feel like. And DK64 did a little, but this is like this is going to be a core mechanic, and supposedly one of the new things that separates it. I guess. Um, but yeah, you were good. The Kickstarter also had... Um, now they have minecart levels. Just yes. Like yes, here's the rundown. I have a multiplayer. Here's the rundown like of all the... Long. Here's the rundown of everything from the stretch goals. Because as we mentioned, it's at 1.8 million already. It's huge. It's the fastest video game Kickstarter to date. It may It kickstarted. It successfully reached its goal in 40 minutes. It hit a million dollars in about a day, under a day. It's at 1.8 million now. And that means we're getting all the original stretch goals, which, like I said, there's minecart level. There. I'm just going to read the list. There are boss battles at the end of each level now. There's a pre-final boss quiz, much like back in the day. There's a 2.5D and 3, slash 3D um, minecart levels, some of which might not use minecarts. Ooh. There's... Uh, so it will be like the rhino level. Pretty much. Dungeon Hunter Returns. Exactly. There's character transformations, which I hope includes the washing machine that Banjo turned into. There's uh, a co-op buddy mode for two players, which I imagine will work like Mario Galaxy, where one's just assisting the other. There's a two- to four-player multiplayer mode, which now I met that goal, but met a second goal of including five different modes within. There's... It's a lot of stuff. I'm not I'm not even close to done. There's multi-language support, whatever. There's bonus character designs from the guys that designed the Kongs and DK64 and Mumbo Jumbo and Banjo-Kazooie. And most importantly to Nintendo fans, there's a simultaneous day one release for Wii U as well as PS4, Xbox One, and PC in October 2016. Day one. That was the original goal, final goal, is met. Now they're going into the extra goals. The one you mentioned to me, they are now going to have a DK style, a DK rap style ending song in the credits. They're doing a second the DK rap. something about an N64 shader. Oh, sorry, that's the goal they haven't met yet. You're right. The one they have met is the... Oh, no, 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 I was right. The DK rap plus N64 shaders they're doing. And then they will separately, if they meet their next goal, do a... GK rap. GK rap, yes. They'll do a... Um, that's the guy... The name Grant of the, Kirkhope rap. Yeah, that's... Here's one of the designers of the sound of the music. Uh, music composers. And they also will do a developer commentary throughout if they reach their next goal, which is where it's at as of this recording. And we it's did like, mention... Well, that's cool. Like, no one was really going to miss that. Cause they, like, the, I mean, the commentary, yeah. I don't know why they don't just say we'll make it for new 3DS with Unity engine support. That should be the next goal. Like, isn't the game made with Unity to begin with? No. But um, I think it I think it looks great. Oh, one thing we didn't even touch on the music, which I think you were gonna make a point about. So hopefully it jogs your memory. But the music, yeah, it's straight up Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong. Yeah, they brought back um, basically everyone from Rare that had any significant role in these original games is now at Playtronic or working with Playtronic to make this happen. So they have all the old developers, all the old. They even got the old voice actor back, the guy that did the original sounds. That's my invitation to Mumbo Jumbo. You're, you're welcome, everyone. Uh, is Gra- back. Grant He's recording... Kirk, Grant Kirkhope actually think was the voice of Mumbo. Oh, was he? I think so, yeah. Oh, because Chris... Uh, Chris Sud- Hemsworth? 
Sorry, what? Who? Hemsworth? No, yes, Thor. Little known fact about Thor, before he was Thor, he was Kazooie. No, uh, Chris Sutherland or something like that is, um, did the voice direction for all the characters and did a lot of the stuff, and he's recording brand new vo uh, voice tracks to be garbled into gibberish, so they bring back the gibberish. But most importantly, both David Weiss and, you already said his name, but uh, Grant Kirkhope are both coming back for music. Oh, it was Sutherland, I was right, Chris Sutherland. Thank you. But yeah, so they're both coming back for music, so... David Weiss, you may know, is the composer of Donkey Kong Country series and Donkey Kong Country Returns. And Grant Kirkhope did Golden Eye, Viva Pinata, and I believe he did some of the music for the original Banjo Kazooie and two no, he did. as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So the music, they put two tracks on a Kickstarter. I'm going to be honest, that I was going to probably Kickstart, then I listened to the music and I had to Kickstart. That was the th I don't know what set off in my head, but it was new, but it was also super nostalgic. It was like so perfectly banjo kazooie to me it could have it could have easily been like a, a track they took out of the game. yeah seriously like right down to the like xylophone use and like everything was so banjo kazooie that i'm like all right i'm by, i'm in yeah. which i think is your i think oh, you're gonna yeah. start saying that's partly your issue with the game right? yeah it's just like yeah like mighty number no. nine um it's like oh it's so super similar to mega man and i guess that was kind of also something that bothered me like these games are just well, I guess more so. Like, this one definitely does feel more different and a little more interesting. Yeah. But, like, Mighty Number no. 9 just so similar to a run-of-the-mill run Mega Man game that it's just more the same. But this one, um, I don't know, I guess, like, just how much Banjo-Kazooie and, I guess, Donkey Kong they're putting into it just kind of bums me out even more that we're not getting, like, a proper, like, Banjo-Kazooie game. But it is. No, I mean, like, with Banjo-Kazooie. Oh. Like, because I really, really like those the characters. characters. Yeah, yeah, especially, like, like Gruntilda. Just, like, coming off... Especially coming off of, like, having played those games kind of recently. Right. Oh, yeah, because you went back and played them. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it just makes me really want, like, oh, I really want Banjo and Kazooie, but yeah. now I'm stuck with Yuka and Laylee. I mean... Hey, you should go I mean, play Nuts and Bolts. There's your Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, that's where they are in their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's mean, not a bad thing. Like, I mean... <laughs> I'm sure this will be fine. I mean, we'll have to make do, but... Yeah. It's just, um... It's just, like, a sad, like, but, realization but that, this, that yeah. you end up just going, like, like oh, well, I mean, it's still awesome that... This is essentially, like, the Banjo sequel, 3D. which is it's just different characters. Yeah, yeah. Basically. But, but yeah, I was, like... It's funny, because, like, you're... I mean, I get what you're saying totally, but you have that close... Not affiliate affiliation, but you have that close connection it's, with yeah, the characters it, 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 in the like, world. And it, I'm just at the connection. Maybe because I haven't played it recently, but my connection is more like, oh, I loved playing it. I Maybe because I haven't touched it recently, but I, like, Banjo, because I'm like, oh, yeah, they exist, whatever. But I'm oh. like, oh, the gameplay, I'm on board. Oh, no, yeah, like, I, I could totally get them. Like, I mean, I know, like, I definitely like collect, like, those kind of N64-style platformers, like, collectathons, but... Right. But I guess, um, like, I guess on top of that, like, I just got really attached to the characters. Like, I really like Banjo-Kazooie as characters. Yeah. And even, like, yeah. Until the Mumbo and all those. Right, like you said, yeah. I love but, Mumbo Jumbo was my favorite. And yeah. the Jinjos. Yeah, it, it, yeah, but it's, like, the same thing. Like, if, um, Peter and Kevin Eastman, the co-creators of the Ninja Turtles, like, right. if they, like, let's say Nickelodeon, all of a sudden, thought, like, you guys aren't allowed to make any more comics. Because right now, they are allowed to make, like, comics, which they are. But, this is not allowed to, they're like, like all right, we're, yeah, yeah, we're gonna make, um, like, Karate Kung Fu Pandas or something. Oh, wait. Well, That's to say Karate Kung Fu Lizards. Yeah, it would be lizards. It would be frogs. No, well, there it is. Battle Whatever. They make something else. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, everything's the same. They have a... Uh, Kung Fu Frogs. They have a wombat <laughs> as their trainer. They're all... Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, instead of this girl named April, her name's March. Right, May. And May. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, just... I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's weird because it feels like a ripoff. 
even though it's from the people that made the original. Yeah, cause yeah. It's like, cause I, yeah, I guess because I feel I feel invested into Banjo and Kazooie. You're invested in the world. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah so now that I'm getting this, it's like I want Banjo Kazooie, not you. Yeah, yeah. I, there's been a lot. I mean, it's I, like they made me like a cake, and then I just threw it on the ground. No, no, no. It's like they made you a cake, oh, yeah, and I, they told you it was a chocolate cake, but then you bit into it, and it is chocolate, but there's a vanilla shell on the outside. You know, it's like it's like you got peanut. I M&M. threw it on the ground. I just pushed it to the side. No, it's like you got peanut M M&M. and M. Or so you thought. It's actually a peanut butter M&M. It's very close, but a little <laughs> different. Yeah. That's basically what's happening. You know, no, I totally hear you. And, like, I think if I went back and played Banjo recently, I'd probably be in the same boat. But right now, it's just like, because I haven't touched the game since playing Man 64 regularly as a kid. So it's just like, oh my god, this is literally what I played in next-gen graphics. Okay, different. It's a, it's a pantsless, uh, pantsless chameleon instead of a very stylishly dressed bear that's okay business thoughts yeah yeah it's i mean it's you know it's not ideal but i'm more than happy to play it i'm excited i backed it yesterday i'm definitely excited to play it with the n64 shader yeah i'm curious to see how that looks that's cool that they actually did that i'm kind of tempted to um back it just because but then just because i want to but at the same time it's like wait they don't need my money they do though because they'll keep the more money they have, the more people they can hire. The more people they can hire, the faster they can release it. October is the projection date. Presumably, it could be sooner if they're ready, um, or they could keep adding new features. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, you don't have to. It's already at one point eight million. Yeah, exactly. Money. I mean, the and game's all they already wanted, coming out. All they wanted was two hundred sixty-five thousand, and they're at one point eight million. Because oh, they said the game's coming out regardless of if we back it. They just wanted us to back it to make it faster to develop because they need about fifteen people, and to add new features and to do a day one release. I don't know. That's, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like the game as described with all the stretch goals and that is here. Yeah. Is already like really, really good. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super for twenty four bucks. I mean, that seems like really. Yeah, good it's there. a really good deal. I almost was tempted to do one of their back rewards. Like a, was it? a retail review? I mean, a retail copy. Yeah, they're not doing physical yeah. for Wii U. They're doing yet. They're doing physical. I would. It would actually make a lot of sense for Deep Silver to also publish this one, like they're doing with my number nine, because it's basically the same crowd mind it's the mindset of the same people yeah like the same type of audience it'd be too late already for nintendo to step in huh probably but it'd be cool if nintendo had some cameos hmm. but who nintendo's certainly gonna push it hard marketing wise oh, on the eShop. And the next indie it's gonna be on whatever. the eShop. it's gonna be at indie fest it's gonna be at indiecade once it's closer to release yeah this is gonna be pushed this is gonna be all the big e-shop it's not gonna games. feel like an indie game when it's like because i mean in three months they made a really polished looking like demo yeah game. that's something i didn't like, mention like, like that's Thank only you. three months that looks like most Kickstarter show you, like, here's drawings of things like, I yeah. wish to make with some ideas that I have. Right, right. And Platon- but Platonic those are the ones where they have to actually no, no, get no. funding for no, stuff. No, no, yeah. And I'm, I'm just, like, throwing that out. And then, I guess, like, the general yeah. like, Kickstarter thing. And then these guys are like, oh, here's this game that, if we didn't tell you this was a demo, you'd think this was, like, the finished product. Because it looks, like, really, really, really good. good. It's just missing enemies. The yeah. world has no enemies. Even though, but, yeah. even though they later showed enemies. Yeah, in, like, one screenshot. But, um, and a little animation. But, oh, they showed um, them running around oh, that's true, and attacking enemies. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy that they built this prototype in three months and it looks so good. That's really what the Vogue Conference was. Like, it's like, great, you have the talent, great, you have the music. But then I saw the footage, I'm like, this, I would play this exactly as is right now. If that's the prototype that only took three months, like you said, there's a, I am 100% sure this game's going to be excellent when it comes out. Now watch me eat my hat in October 2016. I don't know what happened, but it sucks. <laughs> no, um, I'm really confident it's going to be a good game. And I was going to be like, well, Collectathon definitely didn't age well. Yeah, that's also possible, but we'll see. I'm I'm super psyched for it, though. Probably one of my more anti- probably my most anticipated eShop game, period. Oh, it's not like there's a lot to choose. From, I really but. wish, um, the first two Benji Kazooie's and Tweets were on Virtual Console. Yeah, Virtual Console. Too bad well, I would have to get a 360. No, not necessarily because I mean, 
remember Phil Spector of Xbox said he'd be happy at Bantrick Zooey and Smash Bros. He could probably work something out with Nintendo to get Bantrick Zooey on the... Why would he want to, though? Never mind. They get no money from that. Never mind. They will never do that. I just have to hook up the N64. I guess so. But speaking of eShop downloads... What? Look, my N64 is always hooked up. Just saying. But speaking of N64... Mm-hmm. Speaking of eShop downloads... You haven't even used it. Yeah, but it's hooked up if I want to. <laughs> speaking of N64 downloads... Uh, or, sorry, eShop downloads... Rounding out the news this episode, we have an Amiibo-related download and Amiibo news. We should probably start with the news first, actually. Just finish off the news and can transition into impressions that way. Um, so, you, for all you out there who thought we couldn't have two episodes back-to-back without any reference to Amiibo, ha, we sure got you. Pretty sure every episode going forward is going to have something I mean, we, last episode we had nothing. I was very really? proud of that. I didn't want to say it because then we would have something amiibo related because we would talk about how we're not talking about no i don't think maybe we did but i don't think so hey listeners go listen to episode 95 again if we say amiibo leave a comment on this episode and we'll say you found it (laughs) no prize did we i don't think we did oh maybe we did well either way if you thought we could get by without amiibo talk you were so wrong because what we have i don't mean the targetness i mean we have to Import it. We actually already jumped. Yeah, we Amazon, from Amazon.co or from Amazon's UK site. We had to import it, and then Amazon. We're not the only Americans that were crazy enough to spend twenty four dollars on small plastic children. And then <laughs> Amazon toys, <laughs> toys. <laughs> and Amazon was like, you know what? Too many of you Americans buy our small plastic children, so we're going to uh, delay this indefinitely. They didn't want us to have their small plastic children. Their small British boys would not come across the Atlantic for us. So here we are. But and and <laughs> yeah, so um, the real news though is, and maybe we'll find out about this on the upcoming. I I don't know if we will. Maybe we'll get we're on the upcoming Splatoon direct. Maybe they'll put in a little mention of other amiibo news. But it looks like the Silver Mario amiibo will be joining the Splatoon amiibo and Wave Four of Smash Bros here in the U.S. with a May 29th release. Not 100% official yet, but so far leaked inventory listings from Fred Meyer's, Target, Fry's, and Best Buy. All point to May 29th being the day in question. And it won't be a retail exclusive like the Gold Mario, which is nice. So at least one store, Best Buy, is saying that they're not going to do any sort of pre-launch anything. They don't want to be part of that craziness. So on May 29th, you'll be able to go buy it. But don't expect to pre-order it. As of now, it could Don't change. expect to get it if you don't, go when yeah, the store opens. Exactly. <laughs> don't expect to ever receive one, ever. But yeah, don't expect to buy it anytime soon, or pre-order anytime soon, unless they change their plans. Um... I assume once it's officially announced, that might change. But as of now, Best Buy's not doing pre-orders. It's worth noting, though, that this is probably going to become a regular thing. Color variations. I would not be surprised if we see more going forward. Gold Mario actually proved to be pretty popular, and Silver Mario will probably be snatched up just as fast. But, but more to the point, um, I think we all know this. Amiibo are selling insanely, insanely well. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Nintendo's going to milk this as hard as they can because Amiibo are doing super, super well. Um, Fortune actually just did an article. How's this for a dramatic title for an article? Talk talk about clickbait here. Fortune put out an article called... A year ago, Nintendo was on the brink. Now it's back, and here's why. Very dramatic clickbait right there. But the reason they're back, according to Fortune, is because of Amiibo, which... Which, you know, really emphasizes the point that they're having great sales. Uh, to date, as we already know, 5.7 Amiibo were sold from in November and December worldwide in 2014, those first two months. And we don't have an update number on that, but we do know that here in the U.S., Amiibo has sold over 3.5 million little guys to date. So, and that might be an out-of-date number. I'm not sure where Fortune got that from. They were interviewing, they were interviewing the Did fine folks at... 
It's on time, apparently. Hmm. Well, dramatic plot twist in the Ness Amiibo situation. Jose's plastic little boy is going to be here before our next episode. My plastic child is I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my plastic child. If anyone sees him, I should put on Amber Alert for my plastic child. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because they sent emails to me and not to you. They no, sent no they sent out to Elvis because this is his Amazon account. Oh, no wonder. That's why I never got it. Yeah, that's why I didn't get it. Well, so good news. That's why so so you might. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. So I'll check might. after the episode. I mean, Robin and Lucina say the same thing. That they all shipped? Yeah, that they're on time for May or hmm. April 32, May 6. Well, I'll check after the episode. And by that, I mean I'm already typing Amazon on my phone as I speak. But uh, let's point see. Is, let's the see. Point the Amiibo Crazy was so bad that um, pre-orders for Wave 5 went out last week. And I was awake at 5.30 and... Uh, and then ended up pre-ordering. <laughs> like sighing, ended up pre-ordering Ganondorf, Palatina, Dark Pit, and Zero Suit Samus. And at five thirty in the morning. And the Green Yarn Yoshi. And I was like, oh, man, why did I do this? And then later there were also doubts. I'm like, okay, I guess I don't feel as bad for doing it. Yeah. Because they did sell out. But I really want Amazon to put pre-orders up already so I could cancel a bunch of these. Because because you want American. No, because I don't want to pay double for every toy for Amiibos and America from uh, from UK already cost a hundred bucks because they're like twenty five each essentially. Well, congratulations that yours shipped, mine didn't. Why was it say? Not yet dispatched. No, go to check item. Oh, what? Wait, what? Jose, it hasn't shipped yet. We've got your order arriving. There's nothing in between. <laughs> There's no tracking number. There's no. So yours is on time also. No, 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 no. It's wrong. This is wrong? It's wrong. We've got your oh. order, and then nothing, 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 and then arriving. It doesn't have a tracking number. doesn't say it went to... Because this little bar, it's the tracker. This will tell you when UPS received it. This will tell you when it went from one facility to another. Remember, and it's blank, but it says it's arriving. It's weird, because I remember a few... It also says on here it will be delivered by those days on the other screen, but it also does not no, get dispatched. I, I wouldn't trust it. Uh, a few days ago, that green bar definitely wasn't that low. It was, like, down the top. But there's nothing in between. Anyway, uh, this is... Yeah, everyone's listening reg to reg Regular Amazon doesn't have that bar. They do not. But Amazon UK is crazy like that, so you never know. I know, Basket. But, but, but yeah, yeah, Basket and Dispatched instead of Shipped and Cart. What are what are these crazy Brits? But anyway, yeah, the point I was making about Amiibo backpedaling here is that it sells really well. As making town a bunch of money, uh, Michael Pachter said in that same article with Fortune that he expects Amiibo are making somewhere between $200 million and $300 million for Nintendo. I'll just repeat those numbers. $200 million and $300 million off $13 6-inch tall plastic figurines. Not even 6-inch tall, 4-inch tall plastic figurines. That's pretty impressive. And that makes me think Nintendo is not going to stop doing color variations or anything that will hurt the momentum of Amiibo sales anytime soon. And it also makes sense that Nintendo would start to expand on the functionality of the Amiibo going forward to keep those sales going and starting to make even more money which brings us to the just-released Amiibo Tap, Nintendo's Greatest Bits, which is still the best pun Nintendo's ever done for a game title. Ever. It is. So, um, now this isn't necessarily the best example of how Nintendo can enhance Amiibo functionality because it's not that great, but I personally haven't played it, so I don't want to, like, bash it without playing it, but Jose, you have played Amiibo Tap. So in a nice little transition from news to impressions for this episode, tell us about it. Well, you grab an, an, an amiibo. <laughs> you grab an amiibo. You tap it on there. You get this cool little rainbow effect of colors like coming from that 
part of the game pass. Sounds great already. Yeah. And then it says, like, oh, your Amiibo has a gift for you. And then you open the gift, and it's, like, a random game. So I tapped, like, Mario, and I got Zelda, like, the NES one. Right. And then um, I tapped it again, that same Mario. And then on the left side, it has, like, a counter, like, one out of nine scenes. Mm -hmm. And then you play that scene. And then you can just keep tapping it, like, you're flipping through channels. But it'll mm -hmm. always go two out of nine, three out of nine, four out of nine. And you just cycle through them, and that's basically it. Then Mario it will forever be tied to that Zelda game. Then you grab like a Mega Man, then boom, you get Clue Clue Land or something. Ah, I love that crossover. Mega Man Clue Clue Land was the best game for NES by far, yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. random. They don't even try and associate them yeah. by franchise and, I mean, at all? I, I think I would have liked it better if you could just have the same Amiibo and get different games. Because um, the whole thing's so good. Because now it's just so tedious. Like, like, oh, if I want to try the specific demo, I have to actually look for that Amiibo. Because there's a bunch of games on there. Like, I scanned about 12. Like Amiibo, mm -hmm. and I think there's still like a few more to unlock, but it's literally just um, I mean I don't know, I it's like you could get the same experience from Smash demos. You get the same experience from just pressing the A button if they didn't require the Amiibo. Yeah, they really didn't need the Amiibo, but I guess this is this, um, it's, it's, it's free. A, it's, it's free, so it's supposed to be like an enhance. It's supposed to be like oh, here's another great use for your Amiibo that you're buying for. I don't know. It, it, it just would have made way more sense to give it their own game. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, I think because they didn't attach it to their own series, it's just... What about the weird. scene thing? Because isn't it like, so you tap the Amiibo once and you play the first scene of nine of that game, yeah. and then you tap him again and it switches to a second scene, and then it yeah. keeps going. Is that chronological? Um, yeah. Are you always playing the same... No, it's chronological. So you go scene one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. nine, and then back to yeah, one. Yeah, it's not random. Yeah. And it doesn't even match the character? Nope. So why didn't Nintendo just release these... I think I said this when they first announced it. Why, why didn't Nintendo just release these as, like, a self-contained thing? Why the Amiibo? It's not really a value add. I mean, I guess it gives the impression of a fake value add, but it's not really adding much value to the Amiibo if it's not even related to the Amiibo. Yeah, it's, uh... It's a real shame. It's a real shame. <laughs> but I, and not but it's free, that, so it, I can't yeah. It is free, and it is kind of funny that if you look at the interface, they completely reuse the um, NES Remix assets. They just change the colors. Like, it's the exact same layout on the screen. Like, the two buttons on either, the button on either side, the 4x3 in the middle. Kind of mm. funny. But I guess for a freebie, yeah. And it does it does give them one more thing to promote for Amiibo when they're trying to pitch people on it, so. Plus that pun, so. Yeah, you know what? I would say it's worth the pun, even though I haven't tried it. Yeah. 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 But while we're talking about things we've been playing, let's actually move to the real... DLC stuff that this episode is named after, Download and Go. In two ways we mean it. You're going forward in Mario Kart. You're downloading, you're going into the race, and you're when the green light and all that. And also, Street Pass, you download, you go out the door. So, Mario Kart, I guess, would be the first one. This is one we both played. So, you put a lot more time into it than me, but I, I think we should probably start with what, came, what was available for everyone as part of the update, which was the new 200cc mode, which is kind of a big deal. It, um... First of all, before we even talk about the game, let me just say, Nintendo, what are you doing? Why do you have to unlock this thing for Grand Prix? You don't anymore. Yes, you do. They just released a patch that uh, makes it available to everybody. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nintendo heard my complaints as that of, I never said out loud? As of Thursday? Or Wait, so Nintendo heard my complaints that I never actually said. They just somehow telepathically knew. They remember, okay. um, yeah, it's, it's updated and, yeah. Yeah, because that's really crazy. It's available from the That's really crazy because, as some of you may know, my Wii U erased itself and I had to get a refer, like, I had to get it fixed. And then I already beat all 150cc, but I didn't want to go back and beat it all over again. And I was super annoyed that I couldn't do a Grand Prix of 200, but I guess it's resolved. Great. So, so yeah, 200 is definitely faster. Um, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely faster, and that actually changes, like, the meta, which, because, yeah, because there is a meta for Mario Kart, like, the super casual game. A meta? Uh, like, the meta? Meta? 
Like meta data? The meta game. Oh, the meta game. Like the, str- the strategy, the game yeah. within the game. That's what you're saying. Yeah, That's very tournament talk right there, the meta. The, the, the competitiveness. Because before, um, it didn't really matter what card you used because you're getting bombarded by everything. So in the end, you were still better off using the heaviest character with like the heaviest car. Uh-huh. I mean, if you were good enough in the game, you could get so far ahead of everyone that blue shells wouldn't really do anything. Right. And this time around, you're going so fast that really fast characters um, end up becoming way hard to control and they slip all over the place and you really do have to use your break, but this really does give smaller cars that have better handling like an advantage. I tried to refuse to use the break for a while. No, he doesn't. Didn't end well. Yeah, he's got to just give it a little tap. A little love tap. Love tap. Yeah. But, no, it's cool. It's fun. It's different. Is it this going to be... It, it makes you relearn. It makes you have to relearn the older stages because now it's like... Oh, there's this jump that I, you would always do a trick on before, but now if you do the trick, you're going to crash. You have to not do the trick or completely avoid that ramp. That's one thing I noticed is that shortcuts that worked before don't work now. And short, not necessarily, not all of them, because some you're going too fast. And some now work without and a mushroom. Some, yeah, or some like that weren't even shortcuts are now shortcuts. Like, oh, I can leap over this gap because I have so much momentum in my favor. That yeah, wasn't it, there before. And now, yeah. It's like you're really relearning the whole game, not and, just in terms now, of courses. But. And it also kind of shows like, yeah, like the game definitely wasn't designed with this speed in mind. Because like you could kind of skip over entire sections now because yeah. of how fast you're going. Like the one that like is the most prominent is um in Dolphin Shoals. There that last part where you're jumping over the whirlpool. Right. Before the glider part, you would want to land as soon as possible because there's a like a very steep like snake turn, like that if you don't do it fast enough you will slide into like the middle part where unless you have a mushroom, you're gonna get stuck there. Or it'll really slow you down. But now the glider part just lets you skip over that completely without even a mushroom. Right. So right. it's just crazy how yeah, it's fun because you're relearning the tracks, and you're also almost relearning the game, because it is, I, I feel like it is a different enough handling that, like, the first couple of races, you, I got lucky. My very first race, I got first place at 200cc. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the applause. But the, um, no, but it's weird, because, like, you're basically relearning the game, because, like you said, every track is different now, and then also just the mechanics in terms of having to break and when to drift in, like, when do you start your drift into the turn, all of that, first couple of races, it's like you're playing Mario Kart for the first time. And then you start to ease in, and then it gets really fun. But yeah, it's it's really drastically different. Like, more so than 100 to 150, it feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, in theory, exponential growth-wise, is probably the same algorithm that sped up the same factor. But it's just like, it's just weird how different it feels. Not in a bad way, it's really fun. So it's just different. Is this going to be your de facto Mario Kart speed from now on, you think? I would hope so. But then again... Like, can you go back? Like, we went back. I remember we played it last week, and... No, yeah, it definitely feels really slow. Yeah, I, I Like, it can't go back, but then... There's, like, a plus and a bad with it. Um, it feels that much faster and crazier because the tracks weren't necessarily designed with that speed in mind. They were right. designed with a slower speed. That's why before you never had to use your brakes. Yeah. If they're going to design tracks with this speed in mind, they're probably going to be bigger. And have, like, wider turns or, like, not as, like, ridiculous things. But pretty much... You won't be able to escape over whole sections of the track because then it's like a waste of design. Yeah. So it won't necessarily feel as fast anymore. Or as frenzied. Yeah, it'll feel... It'll become the, it'll just become the new norm. Yeah. Like, it only feels crazy because of how much adjustment you have to make to what you used and to. And because for yeah. the past year we've been playing those exact levels at a slower speed. So yeah. to suddenly get this... So, to suddenly get this boost power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, just give us a zero. Just give yeah, it's 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 like a poor man's zero. But um, but what about like other more advanced things? Because I mean, you're talking about the meta game here. What about like fire hopping? 
Because that used to be... Well, that's always been something that people have debated. Does it help? Does it not help? I know you're on the side that does. Yeah, because... How is it at 200? Because it's one of those things where, like, oh, um, sure, it's like a little speed boost. Like, some people argue that it's not enough to warrant, to to warrant it, you yeah. using it. But you still get a boost. You still go faster. So there's no reason not to do it. And it's not even that hard to do. Right. So it's like, there's really no reason not to See, do I it. See, I don't fire hop, which is why I immediately turn to you, because I'm like, it's not hard to do, but I just don't. Honestly, it's like, this is, I mean, if you know how to do it, and once you, like, once you start doing it, there's just no reason not to do it. But, like, that's not to say, like, even before 200cc, there's always, like, there's some tracks where, like, if you do it, it'll actually slow you down. There's some parts where it just doesn't work, and there's other parts where it actually makes you go faster. And it's not any different to 200cc. Like, in that part of, um, Cloud Top Cruise, when you're in the... And that stormy part inside the cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you fire hop through all the boosts, you will, like, zip through that super fast compared to someone that's just taking Not, them lonely. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely... Well, how is it at 200? Mm, the same, just faster. But... Uh, I mean, it's still... Because, I mean, you, the thing with 200 there. is you have to start, like, accounting for drifts earlier. You have to... Everything has oh, to be well, a little no, sooner. Well, so well, well, that, well, that's the thing. Like, for the most part, you only fire hop whenever you're on straightaways. You never really fire hop before you were on a turn. But, oh, so I guess you have to... Because even before... Yeah, because even... Um, even before... Um, in regular 150cc, you still never fire hopped when you were about to make a turn because you would still fly off the track because you're going too fast. Right. So it's still the same. You right. just get to that turn faster. Than... So you're fire hopping a shorter period of time in theory. Yeah, basically. So you just have to so much you, So, so it would be like five hops before it would probably be three hops. And... Right. So it does. So it does hinder it in a way because you're getting fewer. No, because you, no, you're just, you're just getting to your destination faster, oh, which yeah, means you're yeah. not going to have you to hop as much. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that's one that even after the update, people are still debating about. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's just a, I don't know. Yeah. I'll just say it's like it's there. If you don't want to believe it, then that's fine. Right, I mean, right. But I, I do really enjoy to, fire hopping aside. I mean, I it's do, not it's not game breaking either because because right. anyone could do it. It's not like sneaking where the person who has the best thumb endurance will be the one to. Oh, I hated sneaking. Will be the one to win because yeah. I mean that literally like changed how you play the game. Fire hopping is just like. An extra min- like minor bonus that could like that literally decides the difference between like a photo finish or something. Right, right. And if someone and you're playing against people that aren't as experienced, then you're just gonna leave them in the dust. Yeah. But that's why I think it's fine. It doesn't matter. Right, right. But yeah, even like like, like I was trying to say, fire hopping aside, 200 CC is still really fun. Yeah. It breathes so much new life into the game. That mode definitely separates the the children from the adults. The children, yes, yes, it does. But uh, that wasn't the only thing in the update too. For those who haven't down download it yet you also get 10 new miiverse stamps for the new characters and stages nine new mini costumes for the courtesy of amiibo that you you know newly compatible amiibo and the ability to show an on-screen map by pressing the minus button at any time Hmm. so it's nice to see that Nintendo's not just going like oh here's some dlc we're gonna release that you pay for and here's a new mode but we're still listening to feedback a year later and still making adjustments to like the you know, minus button bringing up a map, or like now braking works on the Wii Remote, which I guess is a necessity for. It didn't have a brake button before, but I guess it's a necessity for 200cc as we were discussing. So that's one half of what's new in Mario Kart 8. The other half is, of course, DLC Pack 2, which has new tracks, new carts, new characters. You know what's interesting about it? when we were talking about it last episode, like before it came out, we were saying, oh, it's so great that, um, you know, this track, it's so great to have an Animal Crossing track. It looks really fun. Or Riven Road looks gorgeous or whatever. And I feel like the tracks we didn't pay attention to ended up being the really good tracks. And the tracks we were obsessing over ended up being decent, but not like 
special, especially yeah. as they look. Like Animal Crossing, it's I like, mean, oh, I guess you can run through the track. It's like it's cool because Animal Crossing, but it's not it's a really track. generic. It's yeah. a really simple layout. I mean, the Zelda one had the same issue in DLC. Yeah, like it was just a Zelda track. Yeah, because I mean, so for those who don't know, there are eight new tracks. Uh, there's the Crossing Cup and the Bell Cup. So the Crossing Cup comes with Baby Park. It comes with Cheeseland, Wild Woods, and Animal Crossing. I would say out of those four, Wild Woods, the one I cared least about, I actually think I like most, which is weird. Like, I still really like Animal Crossing because it's a changing, like, visually. Changing seasons, the animals, K.K. Slyer sometimes shows up. There's a really, really out of proportion sized Mr. Rossetti. Uh, but the, and the, like I said, the seasons are nice, but the, like, interested, the layout just isn't, it's just an oval. Basically. Well, sort of. It's like well, yeah, weird. but I mean, I mean, it's zigzag. But in terms of like when you're racing, there's it's super wide turns. Yeah, there's trees you have to go through, and there's Mr. Rossetti's to watch out for. But not that exciting. And I feel like Cheeseland's interesting because like Cheeseland actually started. I started Cheeseland liking the more I played it. Yeah, it's interesting because the Cause narrowness. At, yeah, because at first it's like, oh, it looks like a desert. Like yeah, it's Cheeseland, but it just looks like a generic canyon. Yeah. But then the more I played, the cooler it looked, and I started to really like the music. And I like how. Like, it, the terrain is very, like, up-down. Like, it's not... Yeah. It, it's never level. It's always, It's always, like... Yeah, it's yeah. super, It's super like, warped um, and yeah. not only that, but there are so many parts where, like, if you're on the road and you you have to do really sharp turns because, like, there's, like, a, not quite a wall. You can sort of go over it, but you get... If you try and drift around corners, you will hit... You'll, like, hit a wall, and it's very narrow at times, which I find interesting because um, it obviously wasn't made for 200cc, but when you play it in 200cc, it's, like, you have to be on the like you have to know exactly when a drifter you're crashing into a wall and you don't like crash head on but you like skirt against it and then it drags you down a bit but so it's, it's interesting in that regard that you're kind of weaving through these narrow corridors a lot and of course there's well wild woods i just like first of all it looks like a uh, shy guy ewok village which is nice which is kind of unique and interesting but um it also it's just i don't know something about it just i think it's just like it reminds me a lot of the not a lot, but it reminds you somewhat of the dragon thing from DLC Pack 1, that dragon track. Dragon Driftway? Yeah, it, it reminds me of that at times, and I like Dragon Driftway, and I like this one. I don't know why Wild Woods does. I Maybe because it twists the turns. It's so new and inspired. Like, I like how it yeah. starts literally on the... like just, You're going up the tree, so... It, yeah. You start on the side of a tree. You're ba- Yeah, you're, you're dra- like I said, you're driving through an Ewok village, basically, yeah. with Shy Guys. But no, it's just it's a cool track, and it's like, you know, you kind of bank at times, and it's, it's interesting. It's more dynamic, for sure, than Animal Crossing. And then, of course, there's Baby Park. Last episode, you were saying you are worried about the lack of a gap in the middle of the track for items to fly through. Yeah, it was still an issue. Yeah, what, what are, what's it, your take it, on it now that you've actually played it with 12 people instead of 8, which in theory should make up for the gap because there'd be items flying from 4 more people. It only makes up for it a little because I, play, I played on Baby Park a lot. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I'd say 90% of the time, I feel like I rarely get hit by something. It's true, I rarely get hit too. I feel like I'm never, like... If anything, at first I would crash into a wall because I'm adjusting to the speed and the turns. Yeah. But after that, it's like, I don't know. You... After that, you just hold right. It, and yeah, that's it, it. it feels bigger. It, it feels like I'm, like, that much smaller. Like, even though there's 12 people, like, I feel like there's enough, like, wiggle room that you don't, like, run into everything. Yeah. There's Bowser Jr. in the background. I mean, it, I mean, it's definitely cool that, um like, the music speeds up every single lap. And then when you get to yeah. the lap seven, like, the, everything lights up and it goes yeah, super, super fast. So, I mean, it's, like, a fun track to play, but... It's missing. It's definitely not. Though. I wouldn't describe it as chaotic. More like right. um, hectic. Right, and I feel like we should clarify. It's like we're. I think I let me know if I'm misspeaking on your behalf here. I feel like we are enjoying all the DLC a lot, 
it's just for finding things to nitpick about. Like, it's not like, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think. We've already established that, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, awesome. 10 out of 10 yeah. must buy, but. But yeah, but now once you get into the nitty gritty of Mario Kart. Yeah. Because <laughs> those are four tracks, the first four tracks in the Crossing Cup. Then there's also the Bell Cup, which has Neo Bowser City, which is a total nightmare at 200cc. If anyone could stay on that track at 200cc, you deserve, like. That's a pro. You deserve pro all, all the applause. You deserve, like, all I don't know, a million dollars. You, that's all the you, glory. All the glory. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, it's really fun. I've all, I really, it's actually weird because I really like Neo Bowser City on the 3DS version of the game in Mario Kart 7, like a lot. And I like it less in 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 8. And not just because it's impossible on 200cc. I think part of it's also they widened it a little. Hmm? I feel like they widened Neo Bowser, Bowser City on the Wii U one versus on the 3DS one. It just feels wild. I don't know if it actually is. It just mm. feels... I, I felt like there's more room for me to scoot I thought it was the same. I might be wrong. It just, like I said, it feels like I don't it. Judging, I know the difference that you don't have puddles to watch out for. That's about it. Yeah. But maybe that's why. Actually, that would explain it. Because you have more surface that you can drive on now. You have to weave. So mm. it feels wider. But yeah, because I was playing, I'm like, I feel like I have more flexibility with how I maneuver until I fly off the edge at 200 And that's a negative? Yeah, it's just, it just feels different. I don't know if it's a negative per se. It just felt oh. different. But, um, yeah, I guess it's kind of a negative. But beyond that, there's also Ribbon Road, which was probably my most... that'd be a positive thing. That's wider? Well, I don't know. I mean, you're... you're Add to the challenge when it's narrow. All, or when there's puddles. However... Well, I mean, well, well, there was never a challenge before. I, I've never fallen... Like, I never really had a problem with it in Mario Kart 7. No, I didn't have a problem with it, but I'm just saying it adds more dynamic driving. And in 8, it adds more of a challenge because you're going to CC and you're flying off left, flying off right. Well, then clearly, it, then, then, clearly it being, then it being wider yeah. it doesn't seem to really affect it because we're still saying that oh, it's well, a crazy... No, yeah, yeah, okay. I should back up. It felt wider, period. End of sentence. <laughs> yeah. But we were just, which is originally my only observation. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. oh, yeah, we were saying that like the track is like really hard in 200 so which means the wideness. The wideness it. helps. It just nobly is wider, yeah. in my opinion. But um, Rainbow Road. Or not, sorry, Rainbow Road. Ribbon Road was probably my most, the track I was most excited about. We're still on the Bell Cup, by the way. And uh, I still love the look of it. I love the toys. I love the attention to detail. I love the Kung Fu Lakitu, Kung Fu Panda reference poster. The track itself, though, not that exciting. It's just a wide... I mean, there are parts you can fly off the edge, but it's a pretty basic... Well, I don't thought it was cool. I like it's how... cool, but I was expecting more. I like the turns. I like how like the ribbon is like flowing yeah. the whole time. I like that. There's like two little sharp turn shortcuts that you could take. I don't know what I was expecting, though, because I, like, I love the look of it. I don't know what I was expecting. When I play, I'm like, oh, all right. I think, you know what I think it was? There's parts of the track where it's like huge, like padding on either like you could drive like into like the green or red and it's just this huge open area it's like oh so the track really is over here too but i mean it slows you down a little but not as much as like grass in a normal track i don't know i was expecting more from it i guess but um on the other side well, compared on, to on what it hand, came from what i mean compared to the source material oh yeah they made it way better but yeah because it's originally a gba uh super circuit track so it was just a but, flat <laughs> yeah terrain. yeah yeah, and, it, and I do, like I said, I really love the look of it a lot. It's my favorite track visually, I think. But the other track I like in terms of layout, which kind of surprised me, also wasn't expecting it, was Superbell Subway, which is basically the Delfino Airport for trains, if you think about it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool because it's, it's, like, multi-level. You could drive on top trains, you drive next trains, you drive side trains. Like, it's, it feels, there's different paths, there's branching paths. You know that's what it is about Ribbon Road. It's one path. They're not really for shortcuts. There are shortcuts, but there's not, it's not, it's guided. Unlike the subway station, where it's like, you could there's like four that different ways to get to the It is a little on the short side, but I, I'm willing to let them have that for the creativity of the track. Like it's a fair trade, I'd say. Uh, 
But the the I think one we can both agree on being really cool is probably Big Blue. Sorry. Really? I like it a lot. I love that they did the marathon style, not you know one single lap with three. The music is always cool. The water yeah. sections are cool. Also, the attention to detail is super cool. I don't know if you noticed, but like when you're driving, there's like ships flying overhead. There's like a road below you with actual cars on it that are kind of SEO oh, yeah, but yeah. aren't like. Really good attention to detail. But yeah, I really like... I love all the tracks where they just do, like, uh, checkpoints opposed to laps. So I immediately liked Big Blue for that. And um, I, I also just think, like, it, it's it's a lot like Mount Warrior where it's very... You know, one minute you're on a track, next minute you're driving on water, next minute you're in the air, next minute you're back on a different track. Like, Mount Warrior kind of is the same thing where you go, like, snow to airship feeling stuff, like, metal structure to more... to, like, trees to more snow. Like, this kind of has that same, like... It changes pretty rapidly, unlike the Rainbow Road, N64 Rainbow Road, where it is checkpoints, but it's all just one shoot of them. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall, it's, it's a good package. I mean, the characters, you know, they're there. Isabel's nice. Villager's cool. I know you'd probably like Dry Bowser. I don't know if you'd ever use him, but... Uh, I used him once. I mean, his shell's cool. It glows. Yeah. It glows. And there's new carts as well. Um, for those who aren't aware, there are two carts from Animal Crossing, this, or themed after Animal Crossing, the Streetle and the City Tripper, which is, the City Tripper's actually a bike. There's the P-Wing, which is based on the power-up from Mario, which is kind of nice. Uh, the Bone Rattler ATV for dry, from Dry Bowser, Leaf Tires, Paper Glider, both which Animal Crossing themed. So there's a good variety of stuff. I don't think any of those new carts or item or accessories for the carts actually have changed which carts I use. None of them feel like they're the new must-have. Mm, just the... The P-Wing the, the is P-wing, fast. The P-Wing would be, because that, yeah. that um its top speed is up there. It's, it's, actually fa- fast. it's actually faster than the Blue Falcon, so yeah, that but, would be the car you want if you want to just go as fast as you possibly can. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know if you want to in 200cc anymore. So exactly, yeah, yeah, that was my thing because I'm looking at them like, well, I'm going super fast now, so do I really want to hit top speed at top speed? Like that seems dangerous. But I think overall, it's a really good package. Mario Kart 8 does a lot right with DLC. They all it has with the first pack it does with this one. It's a super good deal. You get a lot for not much money. And the tracks, while we are nitpicking, I think overall I am happy with every single track. I have favorites, I have least favorites, but I will play any track at any time and not be upset about it. Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of my takeaway. And you you already said you give it a ten out of ten, didn't you? Yeah. So, I mean, more content, good. Um, yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. But so that's one type of DLC we played. The other are the two new Street Pass games that Nintendo released the other week. Uh, each cost five dollars bundled together you can get them for eight or if you're extra special and already own all the last batch of street pass premium games you can get them for only seven as part of a thank you bundle which is what the rabbit gave me he was such a kind rabbit did you know by the way or not did you know but just a weird observation that rabbit when you buy games if you tell him no he gets like visibly upset like they're manipulating and in the uk he doesn't he doesn't because there's rules against that but in the u.s there is not but if you buy the game it's like you won a game like confetti falls music plays he's super happy it's really weird how they gamified it but anyway so um i as i tweeted when i was playing the two so the two games are uh, ultimate angler and battleground z and as i tweeted back when i was playing them pretty heavily uh they complement each other really well because ultimate angler is kind of a relaxing more strategic game and then battleground z is like this crazy fast frantic devoid of pretty much any strategy game so I guess uh, first I'll talk about Ultimate, Ang- Ultimate Angler, which is a fishing game. And all fishing games are pretty simple on the surface if you think about it. Ultimate Angler certainly is no exception. Uh, as, really, as core, all you're doing is you cast your line, you wait for a fish to bite, you hit the A button as quickly as you can, and then you reel in the line by either spinning a um, 
real on the touch screen with your stylus, which I don't like, or spinning the circle pad with your thumb, which I like better, but I still don't like doing anything on my system that's a repetitive circular motion because I feel like it's going to scratch the touch screen or break the circle pad or I don't know, because you're spinning it for a while. And how it works is um, you can't just really spin it willy-nilly or at any speed. There's a meter, and the faster you spin, the faster the meter spin uh, fills up, and if you exceed the meter and it goes into red, your line will break and you lose the fish. So you have to keep a pace and match the pace, and the fish will fight back, and there's a little back and forth. So there's that. Uh, but the game, basically, you're going travel spot to travel spot, island to island. There's multiple spots on each island, and you're catching different fish. Different island locations have different fish. There's a legendary monster fish that you can get on each island. It usually takes multiple time, multiple fishing t trips to do it, which means multiple sessions? street... Yeah, sessions, thank you. Which means multiple street pass trips. But it gets more interesting when you... Uh, here comes an excellent fishing pun. I'm pretty proud of this. It gets more interesting when you look at what lurks below the the surface when it comes to this game. No, no applause. Okay. Well, this is awkward now. No, but uh, seriously, it uh, each person that you street pass with is giving you a different type of bait. That's pretty standard. You know, different color shirt, different color bait. And what you can actually do is mix and match the bait in different ways to catch different fish. Certain fish have... Uh, you know, or prefer different types of bait. So in some cases, if you just have one person street pass, you can just be like, I'm going to use the red bait to get the red snapper, and then you're done. <laughs> but if you get, like, eight people, it can be like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna combine the red, blue, and black bait into this one thing, and I can get this fish, that fish, the next fish, or this fish that likes all three combined, or this fish that like these two combined. And you can do different configurations of bait to try and get different fish and that sort of thing. And it, it's not, like, the most strategic thing in the world, but it does give you a little more to it than just hitting A and wing and seeing what happens. And it actually, um, it kind of reminds me of how Monster Manor works. That's one of the other Street Pass games. I don't know if you remember. That's the one with the, like, like yeah, you go room to room and yeah, you do, like, the every, Tetris every, every person gives you a Tetris piece. Right. And in some cases, you get the pieces you need. In some cases, you don't, and you're kind of stuck. And that's pretty much how it is with the fish. Because sometimes you get the fish you, or the bait you need for that fish, or the bait you need to make the combo to get a fish. But you, if you want to complete your collection of fish, you kind of got to keep trying. In the sense that I may meet four red shirts and never get a blue shirt. And they show you when you're starting your fishing thing on that, your fishing session on that specific island spot, they will show you the fish available. And you'll be sitting there looking at that one fish and be like, I'm this close. And sometimes you can combine bait in a certain way to get it anyway. But it's much like Monster Manor where it's like, well, maybe if I circumvent, maybe if I don't fill every spot on the grid of blocks and I just leave one opening, but I still get to the staircase, it's probably okay, right? Like it's kind of a similar mind game i feel like so at least to me just seems to reel you in ah i'm not done yet though because there's strategy involved even beyond that because that's not that strategic honestly it's kind of up to chance of what you street pass with but where it gets more strategic is that um you can also do rod upgrades and things like that so you can have different rods and then combine your rods so you have, you have to stop and think okay if i want this fish and that fish should i combine these two rods that give me this ability and then use this bait with that or should i do just that bait and hope that works. Or do I want to combine this rod with that rod? Because once you combine the rods, that's it. You only have that one rod. And granted, any rod combination ups your stats unless you get better fish. But it's kind of like, which, if I want that fish, is easier if I just use this bait? Or should I use resources to get the rod? Like, it's a whole... It's not like complicated, but there's more... It's not like a button mash. Not a moral like, dilemma. No, it's not quite that extreme. But it's... Um, and it's really nice because it's super good for street pass. Because if you don't want to think about it, you just want to catch a fish, this is like... Uh, find me a street pass or a street pass uh, puzzle swap where it's just you know 10 or 15 seconds per me 
you go out there, you reel it in, you do it again, you keep, you know, all time. You can breeze through them really quick when you're waiting in a line for something like a Comic Con, or it's a quick moving game. It's not really a time investment like some others. So, I th oh, I forgot, I almost forgot one other thing. There's also some elements of Flower Town in here. Flower Town being the flower collecting one, uh, Street Pass game. You get to pollinate Yeah, you don't you don't pollinate and cross pollinate, but the way, the whole idea of like you gotta get every flower and you get to display them and you get like a log that teaches you all about the flowers. It kind of does the same thing with the fish. There's a fishing log, and if you catch every fish, you know you gotta fill up your log, and you also gotta pick aquariums and customize aquariums using the same uh, type of you know. Uh, upgrade system using the same type of upgrade system as the fishing rods so there's there's a lot to it if you go under the surface but if you just want to play in 10-15 second chunks it's there too so it's that's pretty much the game in a nutshell it's developed by Prope there that's the Yuji Naka company we were talking about earlier who did Let's Tap and they actually I believe did one of the other Street Pass games I want to say Flower Town but I might be wrong it probably Flower Town and it's, it's a good like quick Street Pass experience and it has some stuff deeper than that if you want to go there but there's also kind of a, go there. if you want to go to there there's also kind of an interesting undercurrent of like a serious plot though Flower Town did this too but um so you start the game and your assistant's like telling you how fishing works and then her dad comes in and goes on this whole tirade about oh you discovered the legendary monsters this is great because a decade ago I got kicked out of the fishing academy that I taught at because they didn't believe that the monster was real and they told me I was crazy and for 10 years I've been struggling to prove I was right and you could be the guy that proves I'm right that's he the plot of what? That's like half the plot of up. Oh yeah. yeah the guy wants to. Yeah. The guy just want discovered the burp and I won't believe them. So he, yeah. He got like shunned from the science community and he went out for ten years. Well, well, ultimate angler is stealing the plot of up, and it's weird because the game's so cheery. It's like yay fishing and all oh, legendary fish. That's so great. And then this guy's like, no, you don't understand. My life depends <laughs> on this. Please help me. There's like whoa, okay. So I'm still early enough that I don't know if this amounts to any sort of serious plot. I mean, Flower Town had kind of a similar. Well, <laughs> Best story. <laughs> yeah, ultimate angle. Oh. But no, because Flower Town did, if you got far enough in it, it did have kind of a deeper storyline. So I'm hoping this does too, just because if it's the same developer, it'd be a nice touch. But yeah, it's uh, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's the it's like a perfect Street Pass game because it's you know simple but then deeper if need be. But um, one thing worth mentioning is the other Street Pass game, Battleground Z, also has an interesting story writing mechanic that kind of any relation to World War Z? No, uh, zombies. Yes. So, uh, so if Ultimate Angler is all about like strategy and kind of the quick gameplay sessions, I would say Battlegrounds Z is more of is less strategy, more action, way less strategy, and pretty ideal if you want to sit down and do longer sessions. So, first, that writing that I mentioned. Um, it's a zombie apocalypse. That's pretty much going on, but it's super self-aware. The game is very self-aware. I mean, it's. To give, it has a pretty good sense of humor about itself. I'm giving you an idea. Right at the beginning, so the game opens, you're on a train, a cell phone rings on the train, you answer the phone, there's this random scientist named Dr. Scarlet who looks just like she belongs in Wonderful 101 but somehow didn't get the casting call. And uh, she's basically like, hey, yeah, there's a zombie apocalypse. It's a really good coincidence I happen to leave my phone in this train and that you, the one lone survivor in this entire train, happen to be there to pick up my phone and answer it. It's like, you know, like, it's very self, it's very aware of the fact that it's, like, ridiculous and, and you know, in no normal circumstance that happen. It's humor like that throughout, you know. There's, like, you're finding a zombie football team at one point. Some of the items have weird things. Um, so, like, like Dead Rising status? It's kind of like Dead Rising, just a little more meta. I mean, Dead yeah, it's basically a meta meta dead rising but anyway so beyond the, the um writing 
there's uh there is more to the game itself it's an action beat em up pretty much through and through like there's not there's nothing there's no like hidden depth here i mean how it works is you travel level to level on a world map kind of like how you do in the original find me where it's just like you know the map and then you go into the environment and then you have an rpg battle and find me in this case you have a beat em up battle so um the levels and zombies you encounter vary of course and uh what's kind of nice is there's all sorts of different zombies that they made and every zombie you encounter gets added to your z wiki which is your like zombie log kind of like the fish fishing game has one and the zombies first of all they're kind of oddly adorable which i think is because it's developed by goodfield the same guys that do yoshi's Warrior world are doing yoshi's Warrior world and previously did um pretty epic yarn but they have like a goofy silly like oh look at that zombie to it Weird. to them yeah it's a little strange but um so and there's some of the zombies are rare and some are more common and you get to encounter all of them um throughout the game and some of those zombies, you actually get medals for if you encounter them, the rare ones in particular. Because how it works is the core game is you just have to beat the level. Do whatever the level objective is and you're done. You know, whether that's just kill all the zombies or, like, collect tires for a taxi. That's It's just, like, do it and you're done. And then there's secondary medals you can earn, which is where the replay value, I guess, comes in. Or if you want more of a challenge. And those are, like, you know, things like um, getting a certain enemy hit combo or not breaking a certain weapon as you play or killing a rare type of zombie like i kind of said before which kind of makes it more than just a brainless button masher which is which is good but um for each play session i should explain the weapon thing for each play session you get weapons based not on the colors of your me of the me street pass with shirt but based on their hobby so that's this unique wrinkle so if i meet someone who's like i love video games i'm gonna get a wii remote some of the other weapons include a stereo pillowcase um frying pan for if you like cooking um blanking out shopping bag there's another one. Oh, a good one a suitcase you get a suitcase use it on a zombie and a bus will pull up and all the zombies will get in the bus and then the bus will drive into a portal to who knows where so like i said this game's not very serious but um but yeah what's kind of cool is that all these different weapons have varying stats so if you get like 10 people in a row in your street pass and you have all 10 go into the game and fight you can alternate, or not go into the game, but you know, you go into the game with all 10. You can alternate between all 10 weapons. And that means you actually get a longer play session because you don't have health. How it works is you have weapon health, I guess. Stamina, I don't know what to call it. But it's a meter for your weapon. Every time a zombie hits you, it goes to, it, hit, it damages the weapon, not you. And you only die if you lose your weapons. So if you have one me and that's all you're working with, you have one weapon and you better hope you can get through it. If you have 10, you have better chances of surviving. And you have 10 weapons to work with. It almost is like how um, Mii Fighter works. The That's what it's called, right? The side-scrolling shooter one? Uh, yeah, Mii Fighter. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think... Yeah, like Mii Fighter. Yeah, because... Um, I think that's what it's called. But yeah, because in Mii Fighter, you know, the flying one, you only you get as much ammunition on your ship as you have Mii's, and you get as much defense as you have Mii's. You know, how many street passes you have. And this is the same thing where, like, these are real levels. These are full game levels. I mean, they're a little short, but, you know, they're levels. So if you only have one person street pass, you have a better chance of dying than if you have ten people, and that actually hinders your progress. And that's actually my problem with Battleground Z. And, I mean, even to a lesser extent, Ultimate Angler kind of does this too, but um, the game's basically solely dependent... Oh, Me Force, not Me Fighter. Me Force, yeah, Me Force. It just, it just, it just clicked. Yeah, Me Force, the, the shooter one. But, um, yeah, as, it, as you work your way through the game, you're only really guaranteed success if you can get x number of me's like the most number of me's and street passes because 
in the later parts of the game, it becomes a real game. It gets difficult, and it's just kind of annoying that like you can't progress not because of anything you did or your lack of gameplay know-how, but because you just didn't happen to walk past ten people. And yeah, there's play coins, but it's just kind of I don't know. It's it's just. It's weird that it's so dependent on that. And the other thing is so many people have the same hobbies. You know, everyone says they love video games, for example, that you're always stuck with the same weapons. And granted, the weapons are kind of cool, even if they are the same ones, because you can charge them up by holding down the A button and at least do special attacks. And, like, like if you have the Wiimote, you do, like, a Link Hylian shield or Hylian spin thing with, you know, with his sword where he goes, like, yeah, and spins around. You do that with the Wiimote. It's kind of clever. But you can only do the charge attacks X number of times before you run out for that individual weapon and... They do get repetitive. Even the suitcase with the zombies and the bus. Eventually, you're like, I've seen this already. So it'd be nice if somehow you had a way to see more people. But honestly, the the issue with Street Pass games as a whole, I feel like, is that you need so many people. For something simple like Puzzle Swap or Find Me, I, I guess it's not really as much of an issue because, you know, if it takes you longer to finish a puzzle or complete an RPG, whatever... But when it hinges on actual, you know, they're on autopilot basically. But when it hinges on like actual time and effort that you as a player have to put into the gameplay and actually work your way through a level or like do something well, I feel like you want a lot of street passes for that. And I feel like Nintendo doesn't really give you an alternative. They give you play coins, but you can only use play coins if you're not using the Miis in your session. I think that's fine because, um, well, no, I mean, you- well, because if it's the only game you have, then yeah, that sucks because that's like what you're stuck with. But I think you're supposed to look at all the Street Pass minigames as a whole. Like, okay. No, no, no. I get what you're saying. I, I'm not saying. Well, no, 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 well no. finish your thought. I might be not misreading oh. what you're saying. No, because, like, no, no I, I totally get what you mean. That's kind of the reason why I stopped playing Mii Force because, mm-hmm. like, some of the later levels are so long, and if you only get, like, one or two Mii's with you, you're probably not going to beat it. And it just kind of gets, like, oh, I'm only getting, like, very few Mii's. Like, I'm just yeah. going to wait. It, it, you're pretty much, you're only going to play when you go to conventions, which is, like, and then, even, and then even then you might not. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you're always so busy. You have the time. So you're only going to play it once at one time you decide to take a break. Yeah. You're going to clear out like maybe 10 or 20 people. But even then you don't really want to... Yeah, you're never really in a spot where you're going to be like getting a constant stream of people and not doing anything. Yeah, and see, my, my issue is... Yeah, because my issue is if you don't have the constant stream of people... They were just you could say you're right that like they, you, they're all make they're parts that make up a whole. You're right. The only thing but... they should do, I guess, the only thing that I think they could do to remedy it, I don't know if they ever will, is just to kind of release their cap or just increase the cap of how many media they have on storage. Cap, I don't think the cap's gonna help. Because here's the issue. Here's because the issue. this is actually something that Chris, no, no. Uh, one of our listeners, raised a good question that I think it kind of addresses what you're saying. Um, so first of all, thank you for the question, Chris. Uh, and anyone that wants to leave a question for us for any episode, feel free to do it at the contact us form at randomtown.com or email us contact at randomtown.com. But, uh, yeah, no, his point that he was making, which I kind of agree with, and I think kind of addresses your thing where it's like, yeah, if they raise the cap, then sure. When you finally can catch up, you do have all those people right well, there. Well, I mean, I don't mean, like, just, like, let you play with, like, 100 back-to-back. I mean... No, I know. Like, let, like, let the 3DS store, like, maybe over 103 passes, but still only let you play with 10 at a time, so you don't play with, like... But, yeah, yeah but see, the bigger issue... We're special. We go to conventions. We live in a place where there's a lot of people, and even then we don't get that many. The issue that Chris asked us is he was basically saying, okay, so how are people supposed to get these street passes in the first place? In the sense that in America, we are way more spread out than Japan. In a major city, New York, a major event, Comic-Con, no problem. And yes, then your cap thing is spot on. We do, we should be able to backlog. Um, But if you're in middle America... The only thing they could have done, which they kind of did... Is just expand upon the Mario Kart Seven thing, 
if you um there was a point where you could increase the size of your plaza if you allowed the game to allow anyone you encountered online in Mario Kart. So there was a point where we yes. got so many people from Mario Kart Seven like that my plaza jumped from like a thousand to like three thousand and it was like it was kinda getting ridiculous. Yeah. Cause then all the people actually street passed were buried all the way in the back and I wouldn't mind so much. That's why you pay five dollars for the VIP room. <laughs> yeah, like, like I wouldn't mind so much if I could actually use these people I played in Mario Kart to do actual street pass stuff, but they weren't even holding like the game, the Mario Kart game. They were yeah, just there. They were just there. So if they just took that, like anyone you play, yeah, they really should just do that. Like anyone you play online should just like be in front of the little cat. Like, oh, I, I, we were just playing Smash Brothers. Here's like the game I'm holding. Blah blah blah. Regular street pass. I think that'd work. Just treat it as a street pass, but yeah. maybe just change the name from street pass to your, um, I don't know. Spot pass. Uh, yeah, just spot, spot pass. pass. Yeah, just spot pass. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be great because like, uh, Chris made a really good point that we're at the reason this is now an issue more than ever is Nintendo is making these free to or not free but pay premium. They're making these premium experiences. You're paying money to do this and Nintendo's basically artificially limiting what you can do by saying, oh, well, I hope you live near people because if you don't, that's yeah. it. And I mean, so if they did a spot pass thing, because like what you're saying about like raising the cap for street passes is perfect for us, but for like someone like Chris who might not be near people, Doing the spot pass style thing is probably the way to go. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, between Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, or I don't know what other games they have coming out that you play a steady stream of people. Yeah, but... and even then, it doesn't have to be people that you've played, because they could even go random. Why not? You know, they have uh, Nintendo Zones or Street Pass relays. They do, you know, International Street Pass week, You know what they could even week. do? They could Just even... do that constantly. Always have inter International Street Pass. Just whenever you go in Nintendo Zone... Six people show up at your system. Why not? And better yet, why don't they do what Dempamen does? Go to any Wi-Fi spot, no. and it will use the uh, the key of the Wi-Fi to randomly make a character. Or not make one, but just maybe randomly pair you with someone. Take the Street Pass Zone idea, or the Nintendo Zone idea, have them all upload to a cloud somewhere, and then just spit them out to systems. Or even make a fake me. I know, what, I know what, what I was going to suggest also, like, if they really, I mean, they want they could also, like, within the Street Pass Plaza, just yeah. have an option where it could be like, oh... The, the spot pass gate and you just go to the gate and they're yeah. like oh these are people that also went to that gate like when you log into that gate you send your me out and yeah. everyone else sends their me out and it just saves it there so presumably every time you go on it you get a new batch of 10 people of actual people that went to that gate so yeah that, see that worked great and then also like just to backtrack to backtrack to my Dempament thing the reason I even suggested they just start making fake people at spot, hot spots like that the whole point of Street Pass originally originally before it became super popular was Nintendo was trying to get you to go out in the world and use your 3DS so if they want to keep the marketing up, it's better than ever because everywhere, even Middle America, little towns, wherever, have hotspots, have Wi-Fi. They have a Starbucks or equivalent. So like you, that will still encourage people. To go. If Nintendo's like, oh, but we want people to go outside with these things. We want people to see them in the real world. There you go. You can have spot pass gate from your home. You can have uh, any sort of hotspot turn into a relay point when you're away. Win-win. And then that addresses my only major issue with Battleground Z, which I know, I was, know. I can't progress very far without, A, using play coins, which I run out of, or B, walking around for like six hours in hopes that there happen to be nine or ten people they that should, have it. They should also just sprinkle out special me's in like various places, like, oh, for a limited time, like, Best Buy will have, like, this yeah. exec yeah. or something, so you could get it, or, like, Starbucks. I don't know, just, just to actually get you to do... Yeah, and I mean, two... two and also ways of the The Street Pass community's credit. They have Home Pass, which is tricking your 3DS and thinking you're spot, a hotspot for Street Pass, which works when there's International Street Pass weeks. But there's only International Street Pass weeks and weekends on rare occasions, and I don't know why Nintendo doesn't just make it permanent as well. At least as a stopgap till they have a real solution. Just flip the Switch permanently. I don't... Why don't you do that? But, but yeah, anyway, we kind of got off track. Um, the games... Ignoring the Street Pass issue, which is something that plagues all of them, 
Um, the games themselves I like a lot. I would definitely, if you have the other games for six bucks, sure, why not? If you don't have the other games, get both for seven bucks, sure, why not? Or sorry, seven and eight, not six and seven. I, I, I'm enjoying them. I think they're worth the value. If you have enough play coins, go for it. If you don't have enough play coins, it's going to be a slow burn. Battleground Z's in particular is going to be a little slower. But I still like it. I like the humor. I like the 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 button mashing, honestly. <laughs> like, it's a fun game. And Ultimate Anguish, pretty fun if you want to learn more than that. So, yeah, I, w I would say I would say check them out. Unless you really hate everything Street Pass like you seem to now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's I, I wouldn't give it the 10 out of 10 you gave Mario Kart 8's DLC, but I would definitely say they're worth checking out, or at least doing a little more research into. If you go to any sort of convention, buy them. Because at least you could play, uh, you know, play them back at your hotel bit and walk around you'll earn enough play coins to make it worth your while. So, yeah, that that's my two cents on those games. Um, I think I pretty much does it for this episode, actually. You haven't played either of them, right? You don't have them. No, I, I haven't. I'm just going to focus on the puzzles for a while. Yeah, partly because what you're saying where it's like it's hard to know when to play. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so that does it for this episode. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Our next episode is coming up on May 17th, and it's going to be a doozy. Uh, we're not going to get full coverage of the Splatoon Direct that's happening on May 7th, or if you're listening to this in the future, happened back on May 7th. But uh, we'll have all our opinions and thoughts on that, as well as a full analysis of Nintendo's full fiscal year results, which actually come out on May 7th as well. So we'll have a breakdown of those numbers. We're also going to talk about the investor meeting that should be accompanying them a few days later. So it's definitely going to be a it's going to be a meaty episode of lots of news and and stuff. Next episode, uh, we're also going to have, of course, game impressions. I don't know which games off the top of my head, but we'll have some stuff to talk about. So tune in on May 17th. Easiest way to make sure you don't miss it is of course you could subscribe to us on itunes uh just look for Nintendo podcast you, and while you're there feel free to leave a review if you like the show you can also follow us on twitter at ram nintendo you can follow us individually if you want to hear our thoughts beyond just nintendo i'm jason or sorry on twitter i'm jsr7 and angel formerly jose is wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o on meverse you can find him where he's still listed as jose at uh the same name you might want to change that no, it's been changed. Oh, is it? Yeah. I assumed it wasn't. And uh, you can find me at Meverse at Jason R. So if I ever do change my name, I'm screwed because that's my username and I can't change it. But uh, yeah, that pretty much does it. We'll be back again on May 17th. So thanks as always for listening. And go, I don't know, go race in 200 PCs. <laughs>